All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I am here with Marty Griffin and John Downing. We're here to give you a recap of our lives in sports this week. Hello, hello, boys. You were early. Was I? Yeah. Oh, shit. Now. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Premature is my middle name today. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I won't ask. Yeah, okay, yeah. Johnny, you're uh, you're fresh off the pup list. What's going on? Yeah, I'm still questionable to perform. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to know about my injuries, but it's a shoulder injury and it's debilitating and it's just causing a lot of problems, but I'm going to try to fight through it tonight. All right, T's and P's, T's and P's. Um, let's get right into it. Number 20s. Uh, John, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, this is... One of my favorite players of all time, he just got elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past year, Ed Reed. <clears throat> the reason he's one of my favorite players is because he played at University of Miami, which is my favorite college football school. And I really, if you guys probably watched him at Miami, he was incredible and he was part of the unbelievable 2000 and 2001 University of Miami teams. The old one team was particularly loaded with talent, but he was the anchor on defense, uh, played safety. Uh, kept the win streak alive with a unbelievable fumble recovery pickup return for a touchdown at Boston College in 2001, and then he went on to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Boo. Spent the majority. I, yeah, that's when things you know, that's when it becomes tough because you hate the team, you, you, the Ravens. You know, I don't like the Ravens as a Patriots fan either. But Ed Reed's still one of my favorite players. Um, so it's 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 a tough root for there you know good identity for a really dirty nasty defense which was you know the ray lewis ed reader absolutely all right as a player he played for the ravens from 02 to 2012 finished off his career in with the texans and the jets in 2013 but we don't really count those he was a super bowl champion in 2011 nine-time pro bowler five five time first team all pro three-time second-team All-Pro. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2004. Uh, it's not something you see a lot from defensive backs in the NFL. So that's a, right. quite the accomplishment. And he also led the NFL in interceptions in 2004, 2008, and 2010. Also, interceptions is usually reserved for cornerbacks to lead the league in. So when you see a safety do it, you know he's pretty good. He was a member of the NFL 2000's All-Decade Team, of course, he's in the Ravens Ring of Honor, 2019 Pro Football Hall of Fame class, BCS National Champion at Miami in 2001. He was the biggest defensive player of the year that year. He was a two-time consensus All-American at Miami. Um, he had a return touchdown of 107 yards against the Bears one year. And, you know, defensive stats can be kind of skewed, so we'll just skip those. And I'm just going to go with Ed Reed. He's my number 20. All right. Sweet. Marty, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll do the uh, probably one of the greatest running backs, most elusive running backs ever in the NFL, Barry Sanders. Uh, played for the Detroit Lions. Um, I, you know, personally, I'll start off just personal note. You know, growing up as a kid, high school, you know, early junior high, and watching, you know, Turkey Day football. You know, is always the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys on. It's just a treat to see Emmitt Smith and turn around and get to see somebody like Barry, Sam uh, Barry Sanders perform 
on the field every Thanksgiving day. This guy was just one of the most amazing running backs to watch, uh, with the exception of, of Walter Payton in my lifetime. Uh, you're talking about a Heisman uh, Trophy winner, 10-time Pro Bowl winner, uh, Hall of Fame as well, six-time first-team All-Pro, um, most valuable player in 1997, Offensive Player of the Year in 94 97, Four-time rushing leader, 1994, 96, 97. Uh, you know, offensive rookie of the year in 89. The guy was just an absolute beast and just unfortunately played for kind of a hack of a franchise for for a lot of years. Um, just unfortunately, he never got to see uh, postseason glory and, and a championship and to raise that trophy, um, which eluded him uh, through those years, but probably one of the greatest of all time in his position for sure. Barry Sanders. Did you know that he played in college at Oklahoma State yeah. with Thurman Thomas? Yes, I did, which was one of the most nastiest backfields in the world. Yeah, Coming incredible. from my back old days of you know being a University of Texas fan, you never wanted to see those guys come through your stadium. They were just incredible. All right. Uh, my number 20 um, this week is Luke Robitaille. Uh, Kings legend. Um, he was drafted by the LA Kings 171st in the ninth round in 1980, uh, 1984. So damn, damn near well last. <clears throat> and uh, he went on to become the highest scoring left wing in NHL history. Uh, 668 goals, uh, 1,394 points, uh, and is the only Los Angeles King uh, to ever win the Calder Memorial Trophy. That's Rookie of the Year, Marty. Um, he had 40 goals in each of his first eight seasons. Eight-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion with the um, Detroit Red Wings in 2 uh, Luke Robitaille, my number 20. Nice. He didn't elaborate. I thought he was a part of a game, you know, LA Kings. I didn't know it was a hockey team. John. Trivia question. Yeah. 1984. Uh, Quebecois. Luc Robitaille. Who is the other French-Canadian uh, to go first overall in 1984? Marc Messier? I'll give you a hint. This is the only reason I know it. Mario Lemieux? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, Johnny, big news in uh, in Patriots land. Yeah, sad news. Kraft got very off. Sad news. Things, things are changing. <laughs> well, we already know he got off. Um, we'll see what happens. How about the apology? The and how about sneaking the apology in on March Madness? Slid it between in. March Madness and Gronk's retirement. Like a limp noodle. And he mentions his wife. Oh, oh, I got the shoulder injury. Sorry. <laughs> you got to talk with reserve here. Yeah, like, don't get heated. We're not even bringing up the Celtics tonight. You will just throw that thing out of whack. I just have to be at a certain angle, I guess, here. Yeah, and in the the apology, he brings up his wife, and, you know, it was more like, I'm sorry that I got caught, more so than it was, I'm sorry for actually doing the the deed. It was very odd, indeed, for sure. I just, yeah, I don't even know where to go with with this. We kind of knew it was going to play out this way, right? And the Patriots always do this. It's deny, deny, accuse. That's their that's their legal premise. Is de- deny, deny, accuse, deny, deny, accuse, and it's ridiculous. Just cop up to it, admit it, and things will go away. I just hate the way that they approach these things. Have they replaced their PR person yet? 
Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it was the character coach the quit? Yeah, character coach character quit. Coach I don't know about any one PR person. Character uh, coach had mo- enough of them. Moving on to the retirement. Big eighty-seven. Gonna yeah. miss him. Gonna miss him a lot. And you know what? I'm not gonna miss him. I know oh, you're not gonna miss him. The Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to first of all say off congratulations to a phenomenal career. You know. Best in his time, best in his position during his time, and I, I'm going to steer this to what I've been talking about on social media all day with a bunch of people that just got me going soon after the retirement of just like this. And Johnny, you, you can tell me to shut up. I probably won't shut up, but <laughs> but just like this immediate like outcry right afterwards. Not even talking about just him and his individual and what he's done in the championships. Just like he's the goat. He's the goat. We Why have two goats. Why does need to label the goat? I don't Why? understand it. <laughs> it blows my mind, and I just think it somehow cheapens his retirement in a way, and the announcement also just takes away from the overall aspect of just relishing in the in the guy's career for a moment and just talking about him, and, but steering it right in that direction of like that debate, which just pisses me off nowadays. And I just still I still think. There's better tight ends out there that that's been before him. See, and that's the debate. Uh, that's when it gets debatable. It gets nasty, and it gets nasty, and it's not necessary. Instead, we should be in, in just thankful for all the years we had because during this Patriots unprecedented run of six championships in less than twenty years, he's probably number two as far as player goes on the scale of most important slash impactful players that the Patriots have had behind Brady. Right. In my opinion. You know, there's a number of guys, you know, the McGinnis, the Ty Law, the Rodney Harrisons, the Seymours, the Vince Wilforce, the Julian Edelmans, the Troy Browns, Vinatieri's. There's all those guys. But Gronk's probably number two right behind Brady. And he was asked to do a little bit of everything through his time. He needed to be a leading receiver for a year. He needed to be a pass blocker for a few years, he just needed to be that clutch Run blocker. He was run a blocker. dominant, dominant run, blocker. run blocker. I think and that's I understand. what but probably... In my mind, in my biased view, obviously I'm a biased view. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm going to have a biased view. I'm going to say that Gronk's the best ever. He only played for nine years, okay? Right. But they made the Super Bowl in five of the nine years and won three times. And then the other years, they made the AFC Championship team championship game in the other years. And, you know, one of the years in 2015, that comeback against Denver, where they almost came all the way back and took that game. Right. That would, that would have been six Super Bowls, you know. So it's just the guy was so impactful on the field in the run game, in the passing game. You could double-team him, and you still couldn't stop him. Or you could single-cover him, which God knows the Steelers would do. Single-cover him and let him let him get off the line of scrimmage yeah. with no pressure whatsoever. And he, he would torch him. And he, he was just unit. an yeah. unstoppable force of nature on the field. And if you watch the, game, the games, I think that you probably, in my opinion, I you say that, He's got. He's. I think he's the best tight end of all time. One of the best pass catching weapons on the field. He's only the third receiver to have. Yeah, seventy nine touchdowns before the age of thirty behind Jerry Rice and I forget the other guy's name. But and then then there's Gronk. You know. So, so you think he, he? You think he surpasses Tony Gonzalez? I just. I. I, I agree. The numbers aren't going to be anywhere near where Tony Gonzalez. Is, but Tony Gonzalez was never the pass. The run blocker that. He was Gronk never asked is. to be though. In, no. that, in that aspect. But, but also, Tony Gonzalez played with some fucking horrible, mediocre, soft hands. mediocre quarterbacks during his time as well. Through, 
I mean, if you want to, that's a, that's a debate you get into when you get into these goat debates. As you get into what do your eyes tell you versus what do the numbers tell you. And if you're looking for stat compilers, you're never going to top um, Tony Gonzalez. You're never going right. to top Antonio Gates. So you can go that not, way. Of, but and I can be a biased Dallas fan and throw Jay Witten in there. Even throw in Jay Novacek, who was three-time Super Bowl champion, five-time yeah. Pro Bowler, and played for ass of a fucking franchise, which was St. Louis, which rolled into Arizona. I'm just going to say we're going to miss him. Singing. How about that? We're no, gonna miss absolutely. Him. And and this is the thing. Brady's every, gonna miss everybody him. jumps on me. My whole statement today was like, can we just not jump in to this goat discussion and just just you know acknowledge the guy for he was he was just a great tight end for the Patriots. He was a champion. He was just amazing. But it just it just baffles me sometimes just how quickly we dive into that discussion nowadays. And this is this proceeds. And this is not Pat's nation. And I blame ESPN because they cover the same yeah, fucking stories 25 fucking times a day and just exhaust us with these stories and Who's just have greatest? to, like, peg. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this has started back when it was, you know, Bird and Magic and when it was, you know, Jordan, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron. But we just have to have these just headache of a discussion about these Like, it's these the players. only sports debate we're capable of having. Absolutely. Because we're so small-minded. So everybody <laughs> I've been, like, going back and forth with on our Facebook page today and Instagram... It's not about Gronk and he and his lack of. There's no lack in this guy's game. He's amazing, and I never said anything about that. What I'm saying is, I just hate the fucking go-to discussion about the goat. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, and I was gonna say, if you're if you're gonna take away from Gronk, then that means you add a little to Brady, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesus. right. If you're gonna take away from Gronk, you gotta. It you means you're bumping up naturally. Means you're bumping up more to Belichick and Brady. So absolutely, I would just give give Gronk his due. I mean, I mean best ever. I don't know. I mean, he only played the nine years, and he he missed about a month in almost every one of those seasons. So unfortunately, he doesn't stand the test of time, which is an important factor when you get in into the greatest the of debate. all time. Yeah, but a lot of tight ends didn't sell their body like that guy did in his exactly. career as well. He had some phenomenal runs. I mean, the 2014 game against Indianapolis, just slapping people down, throwing them out of the club, and will, just jumping I, over people. I will say this. He is just, he has that clutch gene. And that too. He, com- he yeah. comes down with the football when you really need him to. He makes the big play when you really need him to. Uh, unless unless it's at the end of the game and it's a wonky special teams play, then he just can't come up with it. Yeah, and... Th- <laughs> Yeah, as a Steelers fan, he just had to fucking throw that I in there. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it just Fair for enough. me, it's. I mean, I I can't be too sad because we got a lot of winning, a lot of championships out of the whole package deal. But the whole core of Brady and Edelman and Gronkowski and those guys, and even James White, they 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 seem to have some special com- camaraderie. And I think just taking someone as personable and as good as Gronkowski out of the mix can only have a real negative effect oh, on sure. the Patriots. And I think the other debate here is, did he wait too long to announce his retirement and potentially screw over the Patriots and free agency? Yeah. Because So now his $9 million comes off the cap. They didn't have much money to spend in free agency, hence why they didn't get anybody. Right. But if he had announced this just two weeks ago before free agency had started then they would have had plenty of money to sign a couple of the guys that they really wanted to well and his agent did come out no more than like four hours ago and like he's retired for now right that yeah so could he game. come back and play the last month into the could playoffs he pull a jason witten go in the booth or like be, you know go on a booze cruise for a whole year and come back next year who knows 
whatever the case may be. I mean, I'm sure the Patriots and Brady would, and Belichick and Patriots and Brady would definitely have him back because he's ir- irreplaceable. That's the problem. He's right. He's an irreplaceable. And I, and I look back, and I'm the only person, only other tight end I can think of that would change the course of their championships and their team, like you talk about a Gronk. Only one I can really think about. Tony Gonzalez never took him. I mean. He had a phenomenal career, but the only one I can think about, like, would you not have a championship without him? That might be Shannon Sharp with the Broncos That's during a good his one. time. It's a good one. You know, yeah. uh, you know, Jason Witten never had the opportunity to go there. Jay Novacek was a huge, but he's not really huge in the postseason. And that's where I, I, I throw in my hat to Gronk. His postseason numbers were off the fucking 12 TDs charts. and 16 playoff off the games. So he charts. played another full season in the playoffs. Right. So they, that counts for anything. And he but had 12 TDs. As a non-Patriots football fans sitting in the nutsack of Patriot country. I just want to acknowledge those other great tight ends that do exist on this list. And I, I, you know, my hat's off to Gronk, but also like, there's just so many great Kellen Winslow senior Winslow. I mean, talk about, you know, we want to talk about a pioneer. You can even go back to Mike Ditka and what he did during that time. I didn't see him. Well, I I know I am older than you, but I'm just talking about like, it used to be a blocking position. You know, and, right. and and this turned into something. It was always just a check down. You go through your progressions, you checked it down in the flat and threw to him if it was, it was just a last resort. This position has grown exponentially over the over the years. But remember the what, Patriots had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez on the field at the same time in two thousand eleven. Absolutely discouraging. It was murderous. It was murderous. <laughs> no, that was something though. It was. <laughs> that was late to that one. <laughs> I got. I got on the bus late on. When the host we're, we're ranting. You're when the host isn't right paying there. attention. <laughs> somewhere in your head, you were thinking about the Penguins and their chances of making the playoffs. Uh, well, chances are pretty good. <laughs> um, tight ends aren't easily replaceable either. No, rookie tight ends don't usually rookie. A rookie tight end in the NFL doing well is so rare. Like it's like um, maybe less than one percent chance of a rookie tight end having an actual impact, uh, for a positive impact for a football team. So I don't know what the Patriots it. are going to do right now because the just uh, Jared Cook went to the Saints. So good, good on him, good for the Saints. But the Patriots are now left high and dry with freaking Matt Lacoste, backup tight end from Denver. Now is the lead guy at tight end. For Does the this retirement really kind of signify a potential or possible down, you know, decline basically where this franchise is heading, or do you think they'll just be creative and hang on and still win this division and make and make it through and, and be and I be wish right he could have played another freaking year. Yeah, I thought he, I actually thought just he was to gonna get play. Seven. I, I just actually thought he was the way just they were kind of like all hanging out after the championship and the way they're. <laughs> That camaraderie, that whole discussion was happening post Super Bowl. I really thought they were leaning towards him coming back. Because what are but they going to do offensively now? Between they have no one to pass the ball to besides Julian Edelman. Whatever, yeah. we can worry about the Patriots and their problems later. But yeah. Gronkowski leaves a big hole. Absolutely. All right, moving on. John, you got to feel good about uh, the divisional round preview here happening between. Boston and uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, so this is more like a soccer friendly tonight because Tampa Bay obviously does not need this game, but I think they did want to win this game because the last time they played a couple weeks ago, Boston beat Tampa Bay pretty handily. You know, in Boston they looked really good doing it, and last year at this time they played 
right before the playoffs as well. About two weeks before, they went down to Tampa Bay and they lost four to one, and they got absolutely or four to nothing. I'm sorry, and they got they just got spanked. They got whooped, and it was a foreshadowing of things to come. Obviously, as the Bruins ended up losing in the second round to the Lightning, four games to one, and it wasn't even that close. It was a gentleman's sweep. Um, so for the Bruins to come down tonight and and a friendly, like a soccer friendly, mind you, uh, they're up four to two in the second period and. They look pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that that says good things about the future. I know Tampa's going to be hard to beat in the playoffs, but if you can beat them now two times in a row in, the, in a span of two, three weeks, pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they'll have a lot of confidence going. I mean, it's going to be, you know, that that classic first-round matchup um, in the Atlantic, the – the Bruins and uh, the Maple Leafs, and that's kind of that's kind of a <clears throat> a real kind of up and coming um, rivalry, an underrated rivalry. Well, the other team has to win to make it a rivalry, and the Maple Leafs never. Yeah, won. I mean the the bug isn't the rival of the windshield, but um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think you said it yourself. It does go seven games usually it does and to the, um, to the third period of the seventh game you, yeah. you can't you can't say that the maple leaves haven't improved from last year not to say that the bruins haven't improved from last year but the bruins only had that the one line last year which was obviously a, a massive problem this year they have more so well it looks like they have more than that if they can stay healthy you know sean corrali just got hurt and i feel like he's a clutch performer mm-hmm. um Pasternak and DeBrusque are obviously back, rounding into form. Marcus Johansson's supposed to be back on Wednesday. Keep in mind, though, John, you guys you guys have that second spot pretty well wrapped up at this point. So Seven-point lead with seven games to go going into tonight. Right. So I think they're going to be cautious, extra cautious with the um, – with the injuries, you know, you, you see that with teams that are in good positions this time of year where um, – they give they give the guy that extra day uh, of rest. You know, we we you have us holding out Evgeny Malkin tonight against the Rangers. Uh, he probably Latang's out too. I think Latang as well. Yeah, he probably probably could go. Um, or excuse me, it's actually Latang Latang that I'm speaking about. Although okay. Malkin is out, but Latang could probably go. Uh, but they're gonna hold him out and and keep him all the way uh, until Friday. Give him a full week of rest. There's no point in and pushing it uh, right before the grind, especially when things are, are pretty wrapped up. Um, however, man, is it tight in the Metro right now. Everybody's within two, three points. Uh, Washington, uh, New York, Carolina, everybody, um, the Penguins as well, everybody won um, the other night. Uh, so I, I believe it was uh, Saturday or Sunday they all played. Columbus still on the outside looking in. That's a pic- the big picture. Yeah. Montreal snuck back in. We thought they were dead. We thought they were dead in the water. Uh, they still might be. I, I don't trust that they're going to be able to get it done. I think that is an example of um, just goaltending, kind of stealing a couple that they didn't deserve. But I said I had a, I said I had a tip for you. Um the goaltender for the New York Rangers, their their backup, the guy backing up Big Hank, uh, Georgiev. You should try and ha- hammer him on your on your D- DFS. Um, the Rangers. 
yeah, Georgiev. You'll have to look to see when when he's starting. Starting tonight. He is starting your tonight. Your team. Yeah. Last couple games, forty-four saves, fifty-five saves. Um, the saves are good because the saves could build you points in DFS. Right, the, young team. So you you like a team that shoots a lot against them or gets a, or allows a lot of shots. Young young team. So so a lot of these shots are getting through, um, but performing well. But he did allow five goals the other night to Calgary. Twenty-seven of thirty-two. All right, I'll keep my eye out. He's jo- not. It's not going to be. Georgiev. George. It looks like Georgie V. Yeah, Georgiev. Georgiev. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not going to be one for the wins column, right? Because he's not going to get a ton of goal support. That's important. You get. You but get a he's good amount of points for the win. Monster saves. Monsters. Monster and saves. Okay. And he should be pretty cheap, right? Not a not oh, absolutely. a name. It took a while for Jordan Bennington's price to come up, and he's still like number five as as far as goalies go. All right. So that that came across uh, came across my radar today. I thought I'd pass that along. To All me. right, appreciate it. Take a look. Okay. Um, sp- speaking of the things crossing our radar, uh, whoo, we kind of got spanked in the first round, boys, of the NCAA. First, first two rounds. We got brackets busted. Yeah. God damn it, man. <laughs> I know. Like, so much for teamwork and coming together and everything was just like was looking good for a little bit, you know? Belmont right there with Maryland. That, no, it was those first two days that especially the first day specifically, but the first two days was just like we took a freaking beating. Yeah. And and it was and it was exactly what, what I said could could happen. It was the you know Okay, so you want to get cute and pick some upsets, and we we thought we had the upsets pegged, and those didn't happen. The chalk one and those, and then the upsets were games where we didn't we didn't have them. Right. So we got double whacked, you know. For sure, uh, you know, and there was a, few, a couple of takeaways out of those first two rounds. Who the hell knew Auburn was just gonna like come out like gangbusters Ugh, and just smack yeah. to beat Kansas like, like they Brown did, Junior? Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Purdue just hitting on all levels at the right time. Did you see? I don't know. First, we got, worst beating gonna... that Villanova took in the tournament in history. Are we gonna preview the next round? This the eight games, yeah. the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Because... I think we can jump into it. We can talk about. We got that some lines too. on that game, and I, I, yeah. I mean, so we can listen to the predict our predictions now after that. But yeah, I mean, the lines well, you know, might say something. And this is what. March Madness is all about. You got to take some of those chances. You got to read in a few of those things, and, and that's where we're at. And and if you're like the, us, and, and your bracket is completely fucking busted, now it's just a bet on individual games. Yeah. Your own house, so. <laughs> well, we uh, we almost had a chance there if Duke would have uh, oh, Taco Fall. Ta- if he didn't foul out, man. Yeah, they would have got that rebound. That is, well, hold First on. of all, okay, hold on. Let's let's hold on to that one. Let's. Marty, you want to go through some of those first round? Uh... Go through some of some of the turnouts of that first round. You want mm-hmm. to preview some of those? Uh, well, let's just dive right into it, okay? Uh, let me get, let me pull up my notes here. Preview, review, review, a review of some 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 things that we got wrong. We thought uh, Syracuse would beat Baylor with that zone. Baylor came out firing all cylinders. Baylor took that uh, Syracuse. Uh, Pretty handily, it's seventy-eight, sixty-nine. I, I I was actually a little shocked by that. And I believe Syracuse I, was missing a player we didn't know about. Yeah, um, and I I talked you into that, and 
what I said is that zone was going to just defeat their three-point shooting, and Baylor had one of the best three-point shooting turnouts that game. So, And we thought the dumb Baylor kids would not be able to overcome those smart Syracuse kids. Right. Uh, what was a big... Uh, Florida over Nevada. That hurt. Oh, Nevada. Nevada, Nevada was going to be my Cinderella... Just like push for for three rounds. This That's is why we suck. It's because of Nevada. Yep. <laughs> I we had to, I have so to far. eat that. I, I I was definitely their their biggest fan, their biggest cheerleader going into this, and Florida definitely took it to them. Uh, we got Murray State over Marquette. Right now, you wanted Marquette. We lost out on that one too. But I was a big fan of, uh, and that's one thing that we did find out about that first game is Morant is going to be a top five. Uh, pick in the lottery for the NBA. That kid is phenomenal. He is an absolute beast. He does it on every level. Even in a loss in the second round, uh, he still had an excellent game. Maryland snuck by on Belmont. Um, fucking free throws, man. You missed one out of three. Belmont, that was the other one we had. Yeah, and I, I was feeling good about that. That was my little sleeper pick that was going to walk through as an 11 We seed. didn't think Maryland was very good. No, and, and they should have had that game. Uh, Vermont, Florida State. Vermont was looking good up until about the last six yep. minutes of the game, and Florida State just caught fire. Um, but Vermont uh, definitely uh, had them scared for the so, longest time. The Florida State, they had the kid Phil Kofer, his dad Michael Kofer second played, round. Yeah, going in the second round. But yeah. his dad played in the NFL for the Lions in the 80s. He, his dad died, and I guess the teams rallied around. And the kid was already a scratch, but they rallied around him. He had to sit on the bench, tears in his eyes. Yeah. But this team really rose to the occasion and took it to... Who was their opponent in the second round? I'm trying to look that up right I now. I don't know, but I know it's a rematch in the next round because they beat Gonzaga in Sweet 16 Yeah. last year, and now they play again this year. And Gonzaga turned around and whooped on Baylor 83-71 pretty handily. They beat Murray State. It was, it was Morant and those guys. Right. Uh, 90-62 pretty handedly. Uh, Michigan's looking super tough. They they took it over Florida in the second round. Kentucky had a scare from Wolford. Wolford. Uh, Washington. He's, his Wofford. injury is worse than everyone thought. Well, he's in that walking boot, right? He said he, can barely, he said he can barely move. He said it's the worst pain he's ever felt in his life, and he can barely move. We, they, I don't think he'll be ready this, for, this Thursday or Friday. Right. And that could be playoff Friday. Huge for Kentucky in that next round in that next matchup. Uh, Oregon, UC Irvine last night, looking like a, such a great game that's going to come down to a like the last two minutes is going to be great. But four minutes left, Oregon just went off. Well, Oregon had the big off. lead, and then UC Irvine stormed back, yep. ties it at, right after halftime. Yeah, they didn't score for for what the first eight minutes. Eight minutes leading into that. So, all right, so, Giant, let's jump into it. We're going into the Sweet 16. So, we got uh, four seed, Florida State facing Gonzaga. We got Florida State, second second consecutive year in the Sweet 16. Playing Gonzaga. Playing Gonzaga. They, beat, they, they smashed Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 last yeah. year. So, got, this is a revenge for Gonzaga. Absolutely. You Gonzaga's got Ter- minus you got, seven. Yeah. You got Terrence Mann, you know, playing well for Florida State right now. They got a big presence inside with uh, Chris Kumje. He's seven foot four, uh, and the kid talking about rallying around the whole story about the passing Phil of the father. Yeah, uh, Kabinje, if I pronounce that right. Kid went for twenty two points off the bench. Okay. In replacement of him, um, 
Gonzaga, only team to beat Duke with a full strength. Uh, they're one of our strongest teams left in the tournament. How do you see that playing out? Um, I, I think Gonzaga, just revenge. I, I just think, you know, Gonzaga was upset last year by this team, by Florida State, and I think they were manhandled by them. And I think this year, you got Gonzaga minus seven. I would take Gonzaga minus seven. Yeah, you got Brandon Clark firing all cylinders right now for uh, Gonzaga. He w- he went for 36 points last game, uh, eight rebounds. He had five blocks, one of the leading uh, shot blockers as well for uh, the league. I mean, not the league, in the conference, in the whole overall uh, tournament. So I think uh, that's, a, that's a good guess on Gonzaga right there. Uh, we got three-seed Purdue playing number two-seeded Tennessee. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny because... Purdue was really struggling coming into this tournament because Carson Edwards is like one of the biggest shooting slumps of his life coming into this. Uh, but he comes out and makes nine threes last game for Purdue. Uh, talk about there's a lot of big men in this tournament this year. Matt Harn seven three for Purdue. Uh, he's been like just kind of like this paint presence, but not doing too much. But he's been emerging the last two games, taking over twelve shots, which is a, a career high for him. Um, but I, I honestly think Tennessee's a little bit on borrowed time, giving up that lead to Iowa and going to that overtime scare. Uh, this I hate te- the this line in this game. Re- Do you know what it is? Tennessee's minus one and a half. Yeah. That's scary. Because yeah. everyone will see that and say, oh, Tennessee will take that game with Purdue. I feel like that Purdue's going to win. So while we're on Tennessee, let's take, let's take a quick pause here. John, you were losing your fucking mind <laughs> about Get the fix being in for Iowa. Can you go into that a little bit? You didn't set me up for this one. Uh, <laughs> oh, the foul calls at the end of that game. It was, it was just... It's all about yeah, the, I know. I had no context, context for it. It's literally... Tennessee had a 25-point lead. What the fuck? And then 25-point lead? That's That was right. the worst call ever, ever, ever. Fixes in for Iowa. That was so blatant. I can't get over it. It was so bad. These calls are so bad. It was block and possession. They called jump ball. This is so bad. Third awful call. He had all ball. Tie game. Fucking hate Iowa now. So much help from crooked refs. <laughs> the refs were he, a problem. He, he goes me. on this fucking rant and he doesn't even remember it. Maybe it's my shoulder. I don't know. <laughs> no, but so their two best players for Tennessee, Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, both got like their fourth foul with, you know, almost ten minutes to go in the second second half. And they're getting call after call go against them. Oh, free throw disparity. Okay, here we go. The free throw disparity. It was a 2-1 to one free throw disparity. Yeah. It was like 32 to like 16. But Tennessee was getting intentionally fouled at the end of the game. So that's the only reason their free throws are up a little bit. Because they were getting intentionally fouled. Other than that, it was a 2-1 to one ratio as far as foul shots go. <laughs> so I, I just think it. that I they, they were like, oh, let's... I, I don't know. I just the refs don't seem. We'll get into that a little bit more when we get into the Duke situation. <laughs> All right. So we got Purdue taking Tennessee right there. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game. You, you know, Grant Williams, SEC Player of the Year. He was clutch in overtime. He's so clutch. Second year leads. You got your top six scores are three years into this program. They need to step up. They need to be that leadership of the team. Uh, How you about know, Schofield sitting out the I was just going to say, what are, what are the chances Schofield's going to 
bench himself in this next game. So he just weird. said the way he guards, he would have got that last foul. He would put them on the line. But you plus at least use the foul. I'm you like, at least use it. Why you're you fo- Rick Bar? I mean, you- but you're fouling yourself out of four out. fouls. Yeah, exactly. He's fouling himself out of four so, fouls. So yeah. So you choose not to sit. So you what? You just assume you're going to go to overtime. Well, we'll hear, we'll hear his thoughts on it in our clip of the week. Oh, okay, Ooh. good, nice. All right, we got three seed Texas Tech going into two seed Michigan setting up that stage. Uh, I tell you what, Texas Tech is firing on all cylinders right now. I like these guys coming in. They got a stingy defense, which ranks top in the top five. Jarrett Culver, who I think is going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft. First game went for 29 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, 16 and 10 and five in the second game. This kid is phenomenal. Um, Michigan. We know what they have. You, you got Xavier Simpson. He's averaging like nine assists the last five games. Uh, Brad Zegas is a freshman who has been playing crazy, averaging 15 points per game. I think this is going to be a, probably one of the best games out of the Sweet 16 coming up this week. Another line that's scary if you have Michigan. Michigan's only a minus two favorite here. So, Who do you see right there? I mean, that line tells me to take Texas Tech. Yep. Because you, when you see the lines, it's so shallow or so low like that. And for the known teams who are, the, who are ideally or uh, by the bracket or by just people who know, you're in the know, you would say Tennessee and Michigan should win those games when you look at it. And it makes the spread look really easy. Oh, Tennessee minus one and a half, Michigan minus two. Yep, easy. Just lay the points and go with Tennessee and Michigan. But... That's not what's going to happen here. Either Purdue or Texas Tech or both will win win those games. Suckers bets, you know, suckers bets. And that's what that's how Vegas is rich. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, I think this is uh, possibly our Cinderella surprise team of the conference going in uh, into the tournament with uh, 12 seed Oregon. The Ducks face Cinderella was in the Final Four two years ago. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, as a 12 seed, being know, right I off know. in a weak Pac-12 conference, which I was just bashing last week when we were doing this preview show, uh, you know, and you talked highly about them because they had those t- 10 wins going in. Um, Seth you know, Davis had them in the, has them in his Final Four. Right. Their defense, what I didn't realize, has been holding opponents to 54 points per game and a winning margin during that win streak by 17.9 points per game. They which play is hard. fucking huge. And their energy was wild in that last game. Uh, that Kyle, bracket was full of white kids, right? Yeah. A lot of white kids running around. That whole bracket. <laughs> That's funny. White lightning. Uh, so, Virginia, you know, this is uh, this is our pick to go all the way. This is what we decided on. Will they face some... some uh... UVA is minus eight. I, I like that. I like that yeah, line. I'll show That it. makes me feel good about Virginia. You got Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Ty Jerome. He's the number one defensive player, uh, which which tells me because they take care of the ball. They only had six turnovers last game as right. a total team. Uh, Ty Jerome playing 40 minutes had zero turnovers, which is huge. I think they can control the issue here. If you get in a tough lockdown D game against Oregon, they're still going to win outright in that type of game. Yeah, I like Ducks. it. I like that theory. Fair enough. And I think that Virginia, I think the load has been lifted off their back now that they got through the first first game, first weekend, and they made it through. Yeah. And now it's okay. Now it can be set and let's get it done. 
All right, three seed LSU against two seed Michigan State. How far can LSU go without Will Wade as the head coach? Not there, not to support them. Uh, I believe now it's Izzo taking over in this game right here. Uh, you know, Winston is playing at a high level for Michigan St- Michigan State. The Spartans are looking good. Yeah. I think this game comes down to coaching, which LSU is going to be lacking in this game. I think this is going to be a victory for the Spartans. Yep. Spartans are minus six. So, Some... yeah. so yeah, Spartans minus six. Uh, I think this is probably a guarantee. Eh, it's hard to say. But I don't want to guarantee anything at the way we started out in this <laughs> tournament. But well, he's guaranteed. I'm guaranteeing this victory for Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, so let's move on. We got uh, the red hot five seed Auburn. Tigers and also red hot peaking at the right time, Johnny. Your Tar Heels, North Carolina. The Tar Heels look good, but so does yeah. Auburn. Yeah. UNC is minus five favorite in this game. <sighs> I don't know. I what I love about UNC is they they rebound and they're big. Their bigs can pass. Um, you know they have they have a good mix of um, seniors that are experienced with Luke May and Kenny Williams to go. With the freshman point guard, Kobe White, who's really good. Nasir Little, holy cow, Nasir Little's coming on. He is, the big man is, he is playing like a monster lately. Yeah. He's coming on strong. But Auburn scares me. Bryce Brown is just Bryce tearing Brown is, up. And, and Jared Harper right now. If they those two can heat up. I mean, they're, they're second most in three-point attempts right now going into the tournament. But the crazy thing that I've seen out of all the stats right now out of the first two games, Auburn has forced 32 turnovers. And North Carolina opponents. turns it over. And they like to turn it over. So you better be preaching. Yeah. Preaching take care of the ball. And they're going to be relying a lot on freshman Kobe White, which it's kind of crazy to think what that kid has been doing in replace of Joe Barry. Uh, he's been averaging like 15 points. 16, actually. Uh, second most as a freshman uh, next to R.J. Barrett. For Duke, yeah. So that kid has been really stepping up. He for them set the right tone there. the other yesterday with four threes right off the bat. For sure. So I want to lean towards North Carolina, but it's really hard to go against Auburn the way they're playing right now. I don't. Even, what's the line on that right now? UNC by five. By five. So it's a tough one. That, that is a tough one. Tough so. line. I don't know. I mean, the line. I I don't know. The line kind of makes me think Auburn could cover. I don't know if they'll win, but I think they could cover. Yeah. Um, as an individual better on this situation, I probably won't even just stay far away from betting on this game right now because that's just a hard one to read. Yeah. Uh, you got number four seed Virginia Tech going against number one Duke, who squeaked, squeaked by UCF. Then we're going to talk about that. Bullshit. Game. Oh, so much bullshit. God UCF damn. UCF had that. They had that game. They couldn't hit it. So this is the one game of the weekend that I actually sat down and watched it in its entirety. Oh my god! They, they that couldn't. Game. They couldn't hit anything from from the foul line at all. So the game, I get that. I get that. But it's college kids, and they don't always make their free throws. It happens. But right. the game turned with like a minute and forty five seconds to go. They steal the ball and they alley oop it to Dawkins, who had an unbelievable game, thirty two points. Dawkins instead of hitting the alley-oop or completing it, like dunking it or laying it up, he misses it. And so they go from up four, Duke gets the ball back, uh, Cam Reddish hits a three, cuts it down to one. So you yeah. have a five-point swing right there. But UCF survives. They get they get the lead back. They get the lead to three. And then Zion Williamson starts from outside the three-point line 
and he drives. He pushes off with his uh, with his left arm on a straight up defender. He, well, he pushed off the first guy. Yeah, and then he goes into Taco Fall. Right, which Taco Fall maybe it was a foul, but the first one was definitely a push off, and I think right. every college basketball analyst will agree. And they were saying it today. The first one it was a push off, so it was an offensive foul. So UCF should have had the ball back, and Taco Fall should have been in the game to begin with. And then so he. So he scores the bucket on the play miraculously because he's Zion Williamson. So there's still Duke's still down one to UCF with seconds to go, and Zion misses the one and one free throw, and R.J. Barrett pushes the guy in front of him on the baseline on the line in the back, yep. gets the rebound, tips it in. Duke goes up up by one, and then it falls there. They get that rebound. It's a big. It's uh, I mean, there's so many factors so, in those last in that last. So minute. many things, and then, and then that hanging rim roll off for UCF right there. The very thing. two. There was like, two. So we oh, had the chance right at there. the game winning layup. Yeah. And then Dawkins comes on and he gets the rebound and he gets a chance to put it in and his doesn't go in. It was like there was yeah. a lid on the on the rim. Yeah. What not letting it go in and it would have been so fitting if Dawkins had beat Duke because Johnny Dawkins is probably the most important player in the history of Duke basketball. He started the yeah. Coach K Duke basketball mm-hmm. run in the early 80s and coached, it was an assistant coach there with him for years, the dad of Dawkins. Johnny Johnny Dawkins is the dad of the player, Dawkins, who had 32 points and had a great <laughs> yeah. game yesterday. So, right. And it just, it would have been a great story. It oh, should yeah. have been the story and, you know, but here's what it goes to show you. Yesterday's, or this weekend's ratings for NCAA March Madness were the highest they've been in 27 years. And what it tells you is they need a name celebrity like Zion Williamson and Duke Basketball sells. sells. It sells. Absolutely. And it's, you TV ratings, get numbers, and that's money in, in their pockets. So you guess what? The refs are going to lean towards Duke when there's a questionable call. And they, True sh- facts, they certainly kids. did. True facts. They certainly did. Funny thing coming out of that whole game and that story, I'm watching that in my girlfriend's apartment. Two precious little old gay men who live next door. I'm screaming and ranting and pissed, just pissing fucking fire out of anger. Get a little knock on the door. Is everything okay in here? No, it's not no, okay. It's not. Two, one, no, not okay. You're a heated little individual. Oh. That was what I was called the other day. A heated little individual? Yeah. <laughs> Coming from a five-four game, six-year-old game, man. Oh, that game was so frustrating. I was so upset. Christina was watching it with me, my wife, and we just couldn't believe it. We were. Stunned. It was. It was. It was blatant. It was bad. It was really bad. It, it's a black eye when it, when these things happen. But you get you're you're right on the money, Johnny. It's about ratings. They need that Duke team in there. And here we go, because I think they know. Like it's disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. We and so one. Duke advances to play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, we know, we said last week, beat them in Blacksburg. Yeah. Um, but it was without Zion Williamson. Without they beat Zion. them, what, 77-73, yeah. I think. Um, so this time is the rematch in the NCAA Sweet 16 with Zion. I think the line is uh, Duke by seven. I think it should be higher. I think Duke's going to cover. That's easy. I think Duke just had their and, scare. And they're going to take care of business in this right. game. Right. And you got to keep in mind, Virginia Tech, uh, opposite of what Duke just faced, they probably one of the smallest lineups left in the tournament right now, too. And they're in the 300s is when it comes to uh, defensive rebounding. So I think Duke takes care of business very easily. Benintendi's stroke looks nice off a of lefty. 
That's right. Nice. We're watching spring training. Uh, Did you see Porcello just get drilled in the head? I missed that. I was wondering why he was doing warm-up tosses. They're going through progressions, like medical progressions with him. You're like, going to throw an Andrew Benintendi back ball back on the field, kid? Don't do that. You just threw away money. <laughs> <laughs> why do you do that? A spring training ball? You Benintendi right, could be a Hall of Famer. We're going to get into MLB in a second. I got one more for you. We got three seated Houston, number two Kentucky. Um, another one I was just on my high horse about last week, and I'm still riding uh, Houston Cougars, uh, Kelvin Sampson's team, in the Sweet 16 since 1984. You know, taking this program. He was in the crowd watching the game. Yep. And uh, we got uh, what I think Corey Davis Jr., one, one of the best players in the tournament, 20 points per game. This is a Houston team. If you want to slow them down and press... Get them a half court set, they'll beat you. If you want to like open it up and try to get turn this into a scoring affair, they can beat you. Um, they got some of the best feet for players. They just don't turn the ball over way too much. They know how to play the game. I like this team a lot. And going off what you're talking about with Kentucky and injuries right now, I, I think Kentucky should be really scared going into this game. Agreed. And they're they they Vegas agrees they're only a three point favorite, yeah. Yeah, and uh, crazy little side note: sophomore PJ Washington averaging 15 points per game for Kentucky. He's Kentucky's best player, basically. Best player, yeah. the besides being a freshman, since what I think 10 years for the last 10 years, it's been a freshman as a leading scorer for Kentucky. I believe it, program. but that is surprising. Yeah. Wow. Which is wild. Um, but yeah, I think and even Kentucky, before I think, Cal, Coach Cal got to Kentucky, it was probably Derek Rose at Memphis the year before that. Very so, true. It's always the case for Coach Cal, right? So uh, I would definitely take Houston in this one, and that is uh the Sweet Sixteen. Team, team, team. <laughs> All right, so uh, that'll lead us into our clip of the week. Uh, Admiral Schofield and his comments on uh, the game in general. And uh, benching himself uh, for the overtime period. Um, on the other side of the break, we are going to have John's MLB breakdown. So uh, we'll do our season preview coming up right after this.
Okay, and we're back. Um, man, those basketball clips are tough. I hope you guys are listening to those with headphones on. Um, I feel like there's 37,000 people in that room talking all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, well, definitely with the March Madness media coverage, it's always tough. I always and- feel like younger players talk very just subtly and quiet as well. Yep. You know. Because they're not, not used to speaking to... Right. A little, little shy of the moment or whatever the case may be. I agree. All right. So let's get into our MLB preview, a.k.a. the John Downing Show. <laughs> um, get out your notebooks, kids, and take this all down because this is bone-hard medical fact you're about to witness. Yeah, so our playoff preview predicted the playoffs last year, so let's see if our... MLB season preview can predict the 2019 MLB season. All right. So we're going to start with the Superior League, um, the National League. The Senior Circuit. <laughs> the Senior Circuit. Senior PGA. I mean, they ha- they definitely have more quality teams as a whole, as opposed to the American League, which only has a few power. So I would say if you were to take the top 10 teams in baseball, I would say the top three teams in baseball are somewhere between the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Astros. So the American League has one through three. But four through ten are all in the National League. So the National League has more quality teams, but the American League has the three best teams. The problem is that four through ten just cannot beat that one through three. And there's that problem yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to start um, furthest away and work our way back with the NL West. Okay, so the National League West. So I'm just going to give you my predictions this year. Um, All right, so how I think that the division is going to finish at the end of the year. Um, I think that the Dodgers are going to finish in first place. Um, Right now their 2018 win record was 92-71. and Their over-under for win total this year is 95, so it's gone up a little bit. Um, Kershaw's hurt, we know that, but they do have tons of pitching depth as far as Walker Bueller. He's the young stud that we're, everyone's looking out for. Um, so he's a potential Cy Young candidate this year. And then they have guys like Rich Hill, Hyunjin Ryu, Kent Ameda. They have Kenley Jansen back at the back end of the bullpen. They acquired Joe Kelly from the Red Sox, Machine Gun Kelly, who's going to be a good addition to go with Pedro Baez in the bullpen. So they have a strong pitching rotation. As far as the the hitting goes, <clears throat> we know that the Dodgers made a big trade in the offseason. They traded Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp to the Cincinnati Reds to clear some space. And then they, acqui- as they acquired A.J. Pollock on a contra- free agent contract from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And he is going to be... The Dodgers leadoff hitter. And let's see. Let's go through their lineup here. Um, so, AJ Pollock will be the leadoff hitter. And they have Justin Turner. Corey Seager's coming back after missing all of last year with an injury. He's an all-star uh, potential MVP candidate. Max Muncy. Uh, Jock Peterson. Young Jock. Cody Bellinger. I really like him as well this year. Kiki Hernandez. Austin Barnes. Very good overall team. Uh, they'll probably be the favorite again to win the National League. Uh, the number two team I like is the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to actually be going to see the Red Sox play in Colorado two times this year in August. 
Lucky so, Duck. Yeah, looking forward to checking that out. Nice. Um, Colorado, also a playoff team last year. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I do think they'll finish second in the West. Um, they have the normal, usual suspects at the top of the lineup in Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, but they did acquire Daniel Murphy, which is a good addition. He should have a huge year in cores to go with Trevor Story and breakout candidate David Dahl, Ian Desmond, Garrett Hampson is a name to know. Garrett Hampson's going to be a power-speed combo. Um, if he can wrestle the job away from Ryan McMahon, he should have a huge year. So if you fantasy get players out there um, in the round 10-11 range, if you can get Garrett Hampson, grab him. And then you got Chris Ionetta at catcher. At the top of the rotation, you have Herman Mar- Marquez, who even though he's pitching in Coors Field, is going to be a Cy Young candidate. He's a strikeout beast. He had a great finish to the year last season. Um, and then you have hometown kid Kyle Freeland at the top of the rotation as well. He's used to. He grew up in Colorado, so he's used to pitching in that air. He actually pitches better at home in Coors Field, um, which is very unusual than he does on the road. Um, Colorado opens at Miami this opening weekend, so they should get off to a good start. But again, I do think they're going to come up just short of the playoffs this year. Uh, as far as fantasy, do you think Brian Shaw's on, Brian Shaw's on the slide down right now? Brian Shaw? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, Wade Davis? We got Wade Davis right there locked in as the closer, right? So yeah, Shaw's his numbers aren't great. Not, yeah. But I also think Coors Field is an, it has an effect on that because it's a big run-scoring doubles, home-run park, and... His numbers are are definitely inflated from the years when he was a closer for the Royals and the Cubs. So yeah, um, and they did lose Ottavino to the Yankees too. So the bullpen could be a question mark. Okay. Um, and the third place team in the National League is an up and coming team. We got San Diego Padres. Now let's check out the San Diego Padres as far as their their win total goes this year. We do know that they acquired Manny Machado via a huge ten year three hundred million dollar contract. Uh, they were 66 and 96 last year, and their Vegas win total this year has them projected for 77 and a half wins. What do you think? Lower, higher? I think higher than 77 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think it'll I be. I think you're gonna see some great products come out of that farm system that's just locked and studded. Um, I don't know that. I think the organization feels confident in, make, in making that sign with Chato. Like it just it tells me that they feel like if they don't sneak into at least a second, third place spot this year. They're, they definitely feel like they're going to be right there next year, leading the way. They are definitely on the come up. They've had the number one farm system in Major League Baseball now for a couple of years, and those guys are going to start to come to fruition. We did see uh, that guys like Chris Paddock, who's an elite young arm like Walker Bueller was last year for the Dodgers. Chris Paddock's a, a name, a pitcher that you need to know in the National League this year. You got um, Lauer, too. You know, he had a great... He's uh, okay. Three starts in the spring, though. He had, yep. he had really good three starts. And then Matt Strom, the lefty who was a reliever. He's being he's being transitioned into a starter this year, and he has a very nice repertoire. He should be very good as well. And then um, Joey Lusecki, who was a rookie last year. Soft tosser. You know, he only throws about 90, 91 mile an hour fastball, but he has a big uh, speed change between his changeup and his fastball, and that throws hitters off. So in that big, spacious park in San Diego, he pitches pretty well, so he should have another good season this year, I would say. So their pitching is their weak spot, but it's coming along. 
I like Kirby Yates as a closer at the back end of the bullpen. And then they have 35-year-old um, Craig Stammen, who's their main relief guy as well, and he is elite. He's one of the better middle relief arms in baseball. Now, as far as their lineup goes, they did sign Ian Kinsler to be their second baseman slash leadoff hitter. Douchebag, yeah. <laughs> but but he should he's a good he's a good fielder and yeah. he should provide some leadership to go with Eric Hosmer and then Manny Machado batting third. Hopefully Will Myers can stay healthy batting cleanup. And then they got some power hitters in the outfield between Hunter Renfro, Franchi Cordero, and Franmil Reyes. And then young Luis Urias, who's gonna play shortstop for a little while, um, who's a prospect himself, but the main prospect is Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, he's going to get called up at some point, and he is a big-time power speed threat. He is my rookie of the year. For, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, Chris Paddock for the pitcher is my rookie of the year. Tatis is going to be my runner-up for rookie of the year in the National League. All right, and then their catcher is Austin Hedges, and he's an okay power hitter, not a good average hitter, but he calls a really good game for the pitchers. Uh, they did make a trade with the Indians for a catcher last year, and that's how the Indians got closer Brad Hand. And they got Francisco Mejia, who's going to be their catcher of the future. He can hit in the major leagues now, but he's not very good behind the plate calling a game. So it's going to take some time before we see Mejia challenge Austin Hedges for the catcher job in San Diego. All right. All right. Sounds good. Moving on to the NL Central. Well, just let me tell you, San Francisco and Arizona, those are two teams that don't have much going on here. Arizona's Um, in a huge slide. Huge slide. They've lost. They lost AJ Pollock and Paul Goldschmidt. As, and and they lost um, Patrick Corbin on the mound as well. So do you think this is just like a response to saying the Dodgers are going to be completely dominant in, in this division and the Padres are kind of on their way up and it's it's a good time to rebuild? Honestly, or? I don't know why Arizona has chosen to do this. So this is back-to-back years that they've chosen to do this. So, you know, last the year before last year, they let J.D. Mar- Martinez go. And J.D. Martinez signed a $100 million contract. And then Goldschmidt goes to St. Louis this year, and he just re-signed for a five-year, $130 million himself. Those are reasonable contracts for J.D. Martinez and Paul Goldschmidt, two MVP-caliber players. Um, so I don't know what Arizona's thinking. And then they'll let Corbin walk, A.J. Pollock, who only cost the Dodgers like $68 million for four years for a leadoff hitter. I Granted, he's always hurt, but still, he's a good player. Uh, maybe it's just that they have too much money tied up in Zach Ranke. I don't know. I don't really know the maybe it's the, over the years the ownership has changed. I'm not really sure what Arizona's plan is out there, um, but we'll see. One arm I do like for one, my potential Cy Young candidate this year is Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray should get a lot of strikeouts this year. Um, he had a rough year on the mound, especially at home last year, but the peripheral numbers suggest that he should bounce back. So if you're looking fantasy leagues, number three starter who could perform like an ace, Robbie Ray is a name to watch out for. All right. All right. And then San Francisco, you know, Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, a uh, little too old to compete in my in my opinion. I think you'll see some, some good moments out of them, but not enough to put together a solid season in my opinion. Not to carry that whole clubhouse, right? Yeah. So then their win total is what? It's 73. So um, to me, and this is Bruce Bochy's last season, by the way. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. He announced it's his last year coaching or uh, managing, so... Little swan song run, swan song for Bochi. He said he would like to win one more World Series, and I would almost uh, bet anything that that's not happening <laughs> with him in San Francisco this year. 
Alright, move on to the Central. This is where things are going to get tricky. Alright, my champion in the Central this year is the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals have retooled and reloaded this year. The lineup looks really good with MVP candidate Matt Carpenter leading off. They acquired Paul Goldschmidt. Paul DeYoung's on the come up. Marcel Azuna's coming off a shoulder surgery. They acquired him before last year, and he had an okay year. Uh, Yadi Molina, uh, Dexter Fowler. They have um, Colton Wong and Harrison Bader. And then they have a good bench to, as well. Tyler O'Neill's a good name to watch out for is, is if, if one of the outfielders gets hurt or doesn't produce like Fowler did last year. Yeah. Um, so watch out for Tyler O'Neill. And then the pitching staff is really retooled. They signed Andrew Miller in the offseason. Uh, Jordan Hicks looks to be their closer. Um, c- couple questions are Carlos Martinez. We're not really sure what we're going to get out of him this year. He's been a starter for the last few years, but he's had shoulder issues. So they're not sure if they're going to put him back as a starter, make him a closer, make him a bullpen piece, or just shut him down and let him have surgery altogether. Um, still to be determined. But the rotation, they have Miles Michaelis, who's really good, signed a contract extension. Yeah, just... Uh, Young Jack Flaherty is one of my favorite young pitchers. He's a Cy Young candidate in my opinion. Um, they announced Dakota Hudson made the rotation, who's another nice young arm, to go with uh, Michael Walker at the four spot and Adam Wainwright at the five spot. So I really like this Cardinal team. Those That is my NL Central champions. Um, as far as my number two team, I'm going to go with last year's NL Central champions, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, but I do have the Brewers taking the second wild card this year. Um, I do have concerns about the back end of their bullpen. Um, they were so strong there last year with Corey Knable and Jeremy Jeffress and Josh Hader. Uh, but Jeffress and Knable's potentially out for the year. Um, so I know they want to use Hader in high leverage spots. And they're looking at Craig Kimbrell like you mentioned to me earlier. Uh, so we'll see if they can sign Kimbrell. But... They haven't done that just yet, so they do have a little bit of a hole right there. And then the pitching staff as a whole for the Brewers is always kind of a, kind of a shit show. Um, so the Brewers were ninety six and sixty seven last year. Their Vegas win total this year is only eighty three and a half. What does that tell you? Fall that, off. Fall off. This Brewers team could really fall off. I may be even pushing it, having them as my second wild card team this year. Um, as far as the lineup goes, they have a lot of. Uh, you know, round pegs in a square hole type situation. They're playing Mike Moustakas at second base, and they had Travis Shaw playing second base last year. But they're going to move Shaw back to third and keep put Moustakas at second base. You guys know Moustakas, right? Yes. It's like a brick. He's a big dude at second base. All right, and that's going to go to compliment Christian Yelich last year's MVP. Um, but, yeah, I think the Brewers could fall off big time this year. Now, the, the third-place team I have is the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs have a, <clears throat> you know, seasoned veteran rotation, guys like Lester, Cole Hamels, Jose Quintana. The big question is you Darvish. Does you Darvish bounce back this year? He, has, he hasn't been productive in a few years, so it'll be interesting to see if he can give the Cubs anything. But I do think the MVP comes from the Cubs, and I think Chris Bryant has a big bounce-back season this year. And Madden's really wanting to go from, like, Righty, lefty, righty, lefty starter rotation this year, too. But they have Darvish so coming in. I guess, I guess they can do that if they move Darvish up. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have so many lefties. So that can be tough for them. But they already have questions at closer, too. Morrow's going to be out for almost half the year. So they got Pedro Strope filling in. Um, if he does well, he could keep the job all season. Um, 
but they also have Steve Ciszek who could take that job as well. So they have some question marks. Um, they have some guys like Javi Baez, who was an MVP candidate last year. Can he repeat the same performance? Can Rizzo and Bryant bounce back? Those are the question marks. Is Addison Russell or Wilson Contreras going to prove to be the prospect that they were once hyped to be? Um, I think the Cubs have a lot of questions this year that need to be answered once and for all. And they've spent a lot of money on that team and didn't get the performance they thought they were going to get last year. They came at a high power ranking earlier this year at number five. The Cubs? Yeah. Really? With MLB.com. Um, let's, let's see what their Vegas win total is, is here. It's at 89. So they, they finished 95 and 68 last year and their Vegas win total is 89. They have the Cardinals at 88 and a half. And like I said, the Brewers are at 83 and then they have the Cincinnati Reds are 77 and the Pirates are 78 and a half. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, I think are an interesting team. They got Sonny Gray from the Yankees and Alex Wood from the Dodgers to kind of head off the rotation, but they did just suffer a big injury. Scooter Gannett, their second baseman, is going to be out 8 to 12 weeks, so they're going to move um, Peraza, Jose Peraza, to second base, and have Jose Iglesias play shortstop. I think we'll get a big bounce back here from Votto, um, but I think they're off. I think the Reds' offense is going to be really good this year with Votto and Suarez, and once Gannett comes back, uh, they have guys like Nick Senzel, who could, could be a Rookie of the Year candidate, uh, to go with Matt Kemp and Scott Shebler. Uh, they did lose Billy Hamilton to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but I think the Reds will be an interesting team. And the Pirates are an interesting team as well. Do you have any questions about the Pirates or no, so? Yeah, how do you think uh, Young Ho Gung is going to do off of his, uh, you know, get, getting back with the big club this year? I think he's going to be really good. They've already named him the starting third baseman over Colin Moran, and I think that's a good move because he's always hit at the major league level. And I think he'll continue to hit again. So word, wow. on, word on the street is uh, he's drinking way less, and that should improve his. Um, <laughs> I, I so, it sounds funny, but from, it's from true. a clubhouse standard. What does that exactly mean? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just a drinking is a fortnight. I guess it's always got to be something, right? Very true. All well, right. I mean, he's he's coming off of the the three DUIs in Korea, and they sent him back. So here's what your lineup looks like. So you have young Adam Frazier. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know, I get it. It's okay. Here's your lineup projected. you got Adam Frazier, who I really like, is going to be leading off. Starling Marte, Corey Dickerson, Josh Bell, who I told you last week is a breakout candidate. Uh, the Belly, Francisco Cervelli, Young Ho Gung, Lonnie Chisenhall, and Eric Gonzalez. And I think that is very weak at the back end, unfortunately. But the rotation... On the other hand, I told you I love Jamison Tyon this year. He is one of my, he is one of my um, true NL Cy Young contenders. Um, you know, it's been sh- between Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and last year Jacob Degrom. Those have been the names as far as NL Cy Young goes. I think this is the year we're going to see someone like a like a Tyon or a, a Noah or potentially a Noah Syndergaard, someone like that, take the reins from those guys as far as Cy Young goes. Trevor Williams had a really strong end of the end of the season last year. Great second half. Uh, Joe Musgrove looks like a promising pitcher. If Chris Archer can ever outlive his, uh, he is great strikeout pitcher. But if he can ever outlive his high peripheral stats and you know pitch to his talent, then he could be something as well. God knows they gave up a lot to get him in Glass now and Austin Meadows. So right. um, hopefully he doesn't prove that to be a steal for Tampa Bay. And then Jordan Lyles rounds out your rotation. Whoever um, the fuck that is. I don't know why we couldn't have just kept uh, Nova. 
that would have been that would have been a great you know um yeah he's on the he's on the white Sox now ivan nova yeah. Uh, but your closer, who I really do like, is uh, Felipe Vasquez. And he had a tweet the other day that said, you know, boxers can... Boxers' fists get classified as weapons. Do I get to classify my left arm as a weapon? <laughs> <laughs> thought that was funny. So you got a good back end of the bullpen with Felipe what, Vasquez. What, is, what did his name used to be? I was trying to... I, I was trying to... Felipe... Rivera. Com- Rivera. Felipe Rivera, right? To backtrack, um, do you think uh, maybe his what were we talking about earlier? Brewers picking up uh, Kimbrel. Do you Kimbrel. Th- do you think that's still in the mix? Do you feel like they? I they feel, feel like Kimbrel's not franchise? budging from his six-year, hundred million dollar offer. He's not budging, and that's why no teams are. Like it's, he did not showcase him the, himself that well. He couldn't last even year. close he, like, the own team's World Series last year. It's just it blows my mind that this guy is just asking for so much and standing and digging his heels in this position right now. Yeah, me too. Soccer friendly did not end the way we wanted it. Unbelievable! Bruins, Lightning five, Bruins four. I thought that was just easily heading the Bruins direction. It was. <laughs> what the hell forward. happened? I, I don't know what happened. We've been talking we, baseball. We, 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 and... died, we dove into the show and just looked up, and there it was. There it is, 5-4 Tampa Bay. They take it. <laughs> there goes all the confidence and momentum versus Tampa Bay that we thought <laughs> the, war, the Golden State Warriors turned it on. Keep your head straight. Don't hurt your shoulder. Right. <laughs> all right, let's get into the National League East. All right, this is another tough division here. we got the Washington Nationals, who are the spurned lovers, lost Bryce Harper. Um, but they do have some young pups to try to make up for it. We have the Philadelphia Phillies, the Atlanta Braves, the Mets, and Derek Jeter's Miami Marlins, who have a new logo this year. All right, let's go to the win totals. Because my, my NL East Division winner, I, I think, and I'll, on these predictions, I'm not, I'm not too confident in these predictions. Um, so I'd like to know what you think, because I could go either way on any of these first four teams here. I got the Washington Nationals um, at, at first for me. Um, they are projected for 88.5 wins. They were 82-80 and 80 last year. They disappointed last year. Um, at the front of the end of the rotation, they have Max Scherzer. They have Steven Strasburg, and they acquired uh, Patrick Corbin, who was the number one free agent acquisition pitcher this year. So their 1-2-3 rotation looks fantastic. They also got Anibal Sanchez to be the number four starter, and they have Jeremy Hellickson as their five. They have a strong bullpen now. If Doolittle can stay healthy, he'll be their closer. Um, and then as far as the lineup goes, they have some young guys. Um, and they're going to need them to perform right away because they're going to have to replace Bryce Harper's production. So let's look at um, Washington's lineup. Starts with Adam Eaton. And then uh, MVP candidate Trey Turner, who's going to steal a ton of bases. Um, young Juan Soto will hit third for them. Anthony Rendon, third baseman, hits cleanup. Old man Ryan Zimmerman will bat fifth. They did acquire Brian Dozier to play second base, so Dozier will bat sixth. Then they have Jan Gomes as their catcher. And then rookie Victor Robles. So Robles and Soto are the two elite prospects for them. Um, Soto came up short for rookie of the year last year to Acuna, but um, he's going to be a good player for a long time to come. And then Robles is an exciting young outfielder as well. So that's why they felt they didn't need to go over and above to try to sign Bryce Harper. 
Um, so what do you think of the Nationals this year? I, I think it's always the same thing. Always great starting one, two, three rotation, but this is also a situation where they need to have the run support during those games. This has always been a struggling aspect for this team, and especially with their road road record as well. They could play decent from home, but uh, they, they need some big bats. That's a big ballpark, right? I mean, they got to build a score in that position. All right, so all right, so the Vegas has what do we say them at eighty-eight and a half wins. Then the team I have next at number two, I also have as my number one wild card in the National League, is the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper's new home. He signed a what was that? A Twelve-year? No, that was a. Oh no! Try, so they he, he did sign a twelve-year, three hundred thirty million dollar contract. No, no opt-outs. No trade clause. And so the Phillies Crazy. are projected for eighty-three. So five and a half less wins are projected f- for less than. His old team, the Nationals. Um, that's interesting. And this team we talked about last week had the Fortnite troubles in the locker room, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't implement new rules like the Blue Jays did. So maybe they can keep on playing Fortnite, and that might be a problem for them. Power ranking has the Nationals at six and the Phillies at eight, from what I got. Oh, today. so kind of like I kind of like I have it a little yeah. bit. Okay, good, good to know. So the Phillies lineup reads like this: Andrew the McCutcheon. Sports Illustrated has the Nationals missing the playoffs. I got him in. All right, so we've got Andrew McCutcheon for the Phillies leading off. They got a newly acquired John Segura batting second. Newly acquired Bryce Harper hitting third. Um, future stud MVP candidate Reese Hoskins batting cleanup. Newly acquired catcher JT Realmonto batting fifth. And then Adubel Herrera, Cesar Hernandez, and Mikel Franco. Some old standbys. I think that those three guys are probably some of the Fortnite troublemakers somewhere in there. Um, but that lineup is so much improved. Yeah. I, I mean, that lineup is legit now. If that, you, if that team, can, I mean, if that lineup can gel together early, I mean, I think that changes drastically in, in, in how they perform in that in that division. All right, and so the, the rotation looks like Aaron Nola, who's a Cy Young contender, to go with Nick Pavetta, who's on the come up. Uh, Arietta, who's an old man, but he still can produce at a reasonable level. Um, young young kid Zach Eflin, who's a young pitcher on the Zach come up. Efron? Eflin, Eflin, and then Vincent <laughs> Vincent Velasquez, who will strike you out and but have terrible ratio numbers. Um, so their rotation leaves something to be desired. Maybe they can acquire a Dallas Keuchel. Nobody's signed him yet. Um, I think a Dallas Keuchel would really bolster that team's um, their strength in the rotation. Uh, as far as the back end into the bullpen goes, they have David Robertson, who they signed to be the team's closer from the Yankees. Uh, to go with Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's a fantastic arm, but can only pitch like every third day, because um, he overdoes it every time he throws. But he's he electric. Every time. He's electric when he's out there. Yeah. But they just can't overuse him. They have to be really cautious with him. Um, my third team is last year's NL East winner, the Atlanta Braves. I have the Braves finishing third, and unfortunately, it's not because of the talent on offense. It's because of the lack of talent and the injuries that they have on the on the mound. Um, so the Braves finished 90 and 72 last year, winning the division. This year they are projected only for 84 wins. Um, they did acquire Josh Donaldson from the Cleveland Indians via the Toronto Blue Jays last year, and he's looking to bounce back and put together um, another good season. He was a 2015 AL MVP, so and he said he's on a mission. But the problem is the rotation. Uh, Julio Teheran, who's been around a while, is their number one starter, followed by listen to this, Bryce Wilson. Kyle Wright, Sean Newcomb. I mean, Sean Newcomb was around last year, but the other guys, 
maybe are on the come up, but other than that, you don't know who those guys right. are. And then Tuki Toussaint was supposed to be their five starter, but he couldn't get his control together. So right now they don't have a fifth starter listed. Um, Mike Fultonavich is injured, and Mike Soroka is injured, and those are two of their young young arms that are supposed to be on the come up, but they're not around right now. So the rotation is extremely lacking, um, and worse worse shape than the Phillies is. Yeah. All right, so the Phillies lineup look. I'm sorry, the Braves. Braves lineup looks like the following: Ronald Acuna leading off, Josh Donaldson batting second, Freddie Freeman third, Marquez fourth, Young Ozzy Albies batting fifth, followed by Inders Inciarte. Um, they reacquired Brian McCann from the Astros, followed by Dansby Swanson. The lineup's great. It's the pitching that's the problem. And then at the back end of their um, their closers are going to be a split between Aroldis Vizcaino and A.J. Minter unless they acquire Craig Kimbrell, which they've been in the talks to, to potentially do. So I just don't think the Braves have enough to compete with the Nationals and the Phillies this year. You, you got that NL East sitting with basically how I have it set up with MLB.com with Nationals, Phillies. Uh, Mets Braves and obviously the Marlins going to be pulling dead last. I could see right I could see the Mets even finishing but ahead of the with Braves. With the rankings between eight, six, ten, eleven, if some of those bullpens can gel together and the bats come heated up right, any one of those teams can shift in that first place position right there in the East in my mind. Absolutely. All right. So the Mets finished seventy-seven and eighty-five last year. They started off hot, twelve and two, and then they faded after the first two weeks and um, went what sixty-five and eighty-three. Uh, their Vegas win total is 83.5 this year, and they kind of rebuilt their roster to go with the young stud pitching. Um, so the pitchers that they have, obviously, are Cy Young Award winner Jacob deGrom, and then they have Noah Syndergaard. Um, they have Zach Wheeler. Um, they just have such such strength in, in pitching. And Steven Matz as well. Uh, but it's the hitting that's going to need to turn things around for them. So Brandon Nimmo is supposed to be their leadoff hitter. Uh, young Pete Alonzo, who was a World Series of co- college World Series of Baseball champion at Florida a couple years ago, who has tons of power. Pete Alonzo should make the team. Batting second, followed by Robinson Cano, Wilson Ramos, both newly acquired. Then Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, Jeff McNeil, and Juan Lagares. Uh, Cespedes is going to be out for a while. They did lose David Wright, who retired. Um, so they have some questions in their lineup, as usual. Uh, but can their rotation carry them is, is the question. On the back end of the bullpen, they acquired Edwin Diaz with Robinson Cano from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, so he was the best closer in baseball last yeah. year. Uh, so that should shore things up. And they also reacquired Yuris Familia, who was their closer last year before they traded into the A's. So they got Familia in the 8th, Diaz in the ninth. Um, to follow up Thor, DeGrom, Wheeler, Mats. So, if the pitching is going to have to carry the day for the Mats. No Tebow talk? Uh, Tebow's <laughs> going to start in AAA. I don't see him making the, uh, the roster. Do you think they bring him up for ticket sales? Uh, only, uh, they could have last year and they didn't. Yeah. It's been interesting. I mean, I've, I've been getting a few questions off the side about him if he actually makes it up into a home game this year. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I just I well, there's gonna be have to be too many injuries. I would say. Um, I don't even really want to talk about the Miami Marlins. They don't have anything to really talk about. The only guy on the team that even interests me at all, besides Brian Anderson, is Pablo Lopez, pitcher Pablo Lopez. I'm sorry, are you talking about the 
New York Yankees Major League Farm Team? Farm Team, Pretty exactly. Much, yeah. 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 I was like, what's the new logo? Just a fucking dolphin with a New York right. it's where, like, Yankees, the, the Yankees on the side that, of its head. The Yankees that don't produce go there to die. Yeah. At the end of the like, Stalin Castro, and th- that's where the old Yankees, if you're not doing well, we trade you down there. We take the Marlins good players, we bring them to New York. Definitely my Yankees farm system. For sure. It's hysterical. All right, so the National League, let's wrap it up. All right, so I've got the division winners, Washington, St. Louis, the Dodgers, and the wild cards as Philly and Milwaukee. Um, I see playing for the National League Championship Series this year. I have St. Louis against the Dodgers, and I have St. Louis advancing to the World Series this year. I mean, it's far oh. off. They were, they were right there last year. They were charging hard. They were peaking late. So I think it's a fair I assessment. I just love the Goldschmidt edition, and I think their pitching, and their young pitching is, is so strong. Probably one of my favorites. And with Andrew Miller to go with Jordan Hicks at the yeah. back of the bullpen. And if they can get Carlos Martinez going at all to help them, that's going to be big. Probably one of my favorite ballparks in MLB besides Fenway. Yep. So St. Louis, it's been a little while for them, but I think they're back on the scene this year. So St. Louis is my National League representative. Let's go to the American League. The American League West is going to be a familiar scene. It's going to be the Houston Astros. They're going to be trying to redeem themselves after losing, what was it, four games to one to the Red Sox in the ALCS last year. Um, They're they are, let's see, they're... Verlander signing extension. I saw that. Two years, right? Yep, two years. Okay, so their 2018 record was 103-59. and 59. They do have the highest win total projected by Caesars in Vegas this year at 97.5. All right. All right, so their pitching rotation. They did lose Charlie Morton, but they still have... And, and Dallas Keuchel, but they still have Cole and Verlander to head off, head off the rotation, which is a... A good start, and then they moved Brad Peacock and Colin McHugh, two very effective relievers. They moved them into the starting rotation this year. All right, and then the back end of their bullpen is going to be their trade acquisition at the end of the year last year from Toronto, um, Roberto Ozuna. And uh, then they have Chris Tavensky back there as well, and they have Josh James who's going to be pitching out of the bullpen as well. So they are locked and loaded on their pitching staff as far as their lineup goes. They did make some nice acquisitions. Um, let's see here. At their lineup starts with George Springer, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, I think, is going to have a huge bounce back season this year. Followed by Michael Brantley. He was an addition from the Indians. Mm-hmm. Yuli Garrett Guriel, Tyler White, Josh Reddick, and Robinson Chirinos. Um, so their lineup is stacked, their pitching is stacked, and they have uh, something to prove after last year. Reddick's been having some huge back issues in spring training. Been scratched a lot. So There's a name I like. Uh, Tony Kemp and Jake Marisnik are still there as the yeah. fourth and fifth outfielders, but Miles Straw might be the fastest guy in, in the major or in baseball. Yeah, like, and he just missed out making the roster this year. So if he can get called up, which Brantley and Reddick always get hurt, so if Miles Straw gets called up, he'll be stealing tons of bases. We're talking Billy Hamilton, 2.0. That guy's fast. Fast, fast. Didn't Bregman just sign an extension as well? He did. Five years, 100 mil. Nice. Well deserved. That guy's a beast. That's a discount, right? A little bit. Okay, let's let's, uh, move on to the second place team. The Oakland A's, who did capture a wild card berth last season. And they finished 97-65. and Kind of a surprise last year. Vegas has them projected for 83 wins. 
We saw them in the opening series this past week against the Mariners, and they lost both games. And they also lost starting first baseman Matt Olson, who had to have hand surgery, look like a handmade bone. So he's going to be out for months and may not recover form when he does get back. That is a huge loss for the Oakland A's. Yeah. He's part of their mat, their mats at the corners. And they have Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. So that's going to be a big loss for them. Um, and then they also lost starting pitching prospect Jose Luzardo with a shoulder injury. He shut down four to six weeks, so it's going to be a while before we potentially get to see him. Uh, he was supposed to be their best pitcher. So you got Montas rising up, uh, rising up in the fourth starting rotation right there? Uh, yeah, the rotation is awfully, awfully weak. Let's yeah, see here. He moved in the fourth. He, he only started like 11 games last year, like almost around a four-run Frankie ERA. Montas? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he's... Mike Fires, Marco Estrada, Brett Anderson, Frankie Montas, Chris Bassett. That's bad That's rotation. Tough. Yeah. They needed Lizardo. And then the, the bullpen's good. You know, they have Fernando Rodney and then Blake Trinan, the closer, who was probably the second best closer to Edwin Diaz last year. So the rotation's good. And Brett Anderson's been a little bit strong, too. He, he, yeah, he can, ha- he can be okay. He has his moments, right? He keeps the ball on the ground. And he's expected to be a number three starter, right? Yeah, he keeps it on the ground, which yeah. is big. Uh, the lineup looks like the following. Um, Robbie Grossman potentially leading off now with Matt Chapman batting second. Steven Piscotti, who came on big last year to go with Crush Davis, uh, home run champion last year. Um, Chad Pinder, I think, will have to be a nice sleeper for fantasy this year. Uh, Jerickson Profar acquired from the Rangers to go with Marcus Semien, Nick Hundley, and Ramon Loriano. Loriano will see time lead off as well. Yeah, and they're saying Profar is going to play a little bit of first base with uh, right-handed pitching. Probably. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense now. Yeah. All right, so Oakland, they always come on strong in the second half, so watch out for them. I do have them finishing second, but I have them missing out on the playoffs this year. Um, number three in the AL West I have is the LA Angels. They finished 80 and 82 last year. They're projected for 83 and a half wins, so they're projected by for a half more win than the A's. <clears throat> now, Mike Trout, we just saw signed an extension last week for 12 years, 430 million dollars. What do you guys think of that? You know, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, LA's got that market. They just want that face. They want to put it on the billboards. They want, you know, it. it he's gonna sell tickets. But this is a guy who's not brought you a win in the postseason, and you're just you're just doubling down on him for that much money. So it's just kind of crazy to me in a, in a lot of ways. I really thought he was going to go somewhere else, but he's just very comfortable where he's at. Go home to Philly. That's yeah. what Bryce Harper thought. He too. wanted it. All right. So the Angels' rotation looks like this: Trevor Cahill, Matt Harvey, Felix Pena, Tyler Skaggs, and Jaime Berea. They did just lose Andrew Haney to a shoulder injury, so. That rotation is lacking as well, but I do think it's a little bit better than Oakland. The lineup, unfortunately, um, we we also saw Otani's not pitching this year as well. Right. Hopefully, That's he'll be a huge loss. He'll be back next year on the mound. Lineup looks like this: Cole Calhoun leadoff, Mike followed by Mike Trout, Justin Upton, Justin Bohr, who was acquired um, from the Phillies via the Marlins last year to be their cleanup hitter, Andrelton Simmons batting fifth, followed by Pujols. Zach Cozart, Jonathan Lucroy, and Tommy Listella. Um, just not a lot there besides Trout and Upton, unfortunately. You see, well, and Upton's been having problems with that big toe all yep. spring season, too, and it sounds like it's going to be something. He's getting up nag- there in age. It's going to be nagging him all season long, possibly. 
All right, so let's move on from the Angels to the Seattle Mariners. They're already 2-0 Seattle Mariners. A little shout-out to Ichiro. All right, shout-out to Ichiro. We announce his retirement. He's all done. Last year, Mariners <laughs> finished... <laughs> so Johnny wants to talk about Ichiro. <laughs> say what you guys want to say. I, ain't I, to say. I never liked I thought, Ichiro. I thought it was a good moment ending it in Japan. I, Everybody there was going absolutely bananas. Uh, their tears shed... I think he's just. A, I, just makes, think, I just think he's a class act. I just think he iconic player. Yeah, you know. I thought he was. Um, I always thought he was arrogant. Really? Yeah, I thought he was really arrogant from what, all the clips I ever saw. Hmm. Um, and he made hundreds of millions of dollars. He can fly from Seattle, to Japan, anytime he wants. Short trip across the ocean. It's no dice K. No dice K. Exactly. <laughs> Shaking that booty. All right, the Mariners finished eighty nine and seventy three last year. Only projected to win seventy four and a half games this year. They um, they changed their roster in a very interesting way this year. The Mariners are just a very interesting team because you wonder what the hell is Jerry Depoto, their general manager, doing? Doesn't really make sense. That franchise doesn't make sense to me. All right, so let's look at their lineup. Malik Smith from the Rays. He'll be leading off supposedly for Seattle, followed by Mitch Haniger, who's a nice young bat, followed by Jay Bruce batting third. Edwin Encarnacion batting fourth, Domingo Santana fifth, Omar Narvaez seventh, Ryan Healy eighth, or seventh, I'm sorry, Tim Beckham eighth, D. Gordon batting ninth. Um, so that should be could be your lineup when the Red Sox open up two days from now in Seattle for a four-game set. Um, the lineup's kind of interesting, to be honest with you. Um, interesting sp- speed-power combination. The speed with Malik Smith and D. Gordon, each being 40 stolen base guys. Power with Jay Bruce and Encarnacion. Um, and then two decent hitters in Santana and Mitch Haniger. So, they could be interesting. It's the pitching, which is a question mark. you got Yusei Kukuchi, who was the big Japanese acquisition for them. Uh, he looked pretty decent in his first start. Only four and two-thirds in Japan against the A's. I wish he went an extra third to get the victory. But he did only allow one run in that game. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, Mike Leak, Felix Hernandez, and Wade LeBlanc. That rotation leaves something to be desired. <laughs> Do you think Kyle Seager at third being out until late June is a big loss for that team? Or really no, make he that never much? starts hitting until June anyway. Okay, fair enough. He's like Andrew McCutcheon. That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. And it sounds like Ryan Healy, who's like kind of holding down that spot for him right now, even might win that yeah. position over. Might. I mean, but Seager was poised to have a break. A, a, Bounce back breakout year. He was really um, changed his swing and his approach, and was looking forward to getting back out there. But yeah, the injury is gonna gonna curtail that. It looks yeah. like. All right, and their closer situation. Obviously, they lost Edwin Diaz, and they now have Hunter Strickland as their closer. He already has two saves, so two for two. You know, they look good. So Strickland, we saw the Seattle gave a lot of a lot of save opportunities last year. So maybe Strickland's a sleeper uh, saves candidate. For fantasy. And then the last place team is the Texas Rangers. Oof. All right, the Texas Rangers. Let's see. They are finished 67-95 and 95 last year, are projected for 70 and a half wins this year. Lineup doesn't look much different than it did last year, though. Yeah, but Joey Gallo returns. I love Gallo this year. I think he <laughs> might, think he's going to lead the league in home runs this year. Really? I do. All right. His over-under is like 38 and a half. That's a high over-under. Fair and enough. He, and he's hit 40 each of the last two years. Yeah. If it's it's if he can get that batting average up over 210. Like, if he can get his batting average to 240, 250, he's then right you're there. talking. Okay. 
Fair enough. All right, so the Texas pitching rotation looks like Mike Miner, followed by Edinson Volquez, Lance Lynn, Drew Smiley, and Shelby Miller. Now those are a bunch of five rotations from other teams thrown together to make a pitching staff, right? That's crazy. Miner, Volquez, Lynn, Smiley, Shelby Miller. Maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle and something or a pitcher or two will be good this year. Um, we'll have to see about that. The lineup is familiar. It's Shin Chu Chu. I love Rugnet Odor this year. I think Odor is finally going to put it all together. He's still only 25 years old. Elvis Andrews is back this year from an injury plague season last year. Mazzara is a candidate to have a big, big year this year in his yeah. third full season. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. That was... Um, Texas, Chu, Odor, Andrews, Mazzara, followed by Gallo. Uh, newly signed Astrubal Cabrera is going to be their shortstop, followed by Ronald Guzman and catcher Jeff Mathis. And I also really like Delano DeShields this year, especially if you need stolen bases in fantasy. If he can get that leadoff job rustled away from Shin Chu Chu, which Chu's old. Chu's 36 years old, and he's injury prone. So if he can, DeShields can find himself at the top of the lineup, you could easily get 40 steals, 15, 20 home runs out of him. So... He's an interesting name to look out for. As far as the back end of the bullpen goes, they have a nice young arm who they just signed a multi-year contract in Jose LeClerc. Um, so he he's strong at the back end of their pen. I think the Rangers are going to win more games than they did last year, just not enough. Enough. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get to the... Um, they did release McAllister, like Zach McAllister, the $1 million. You think he lands anywhere for another team, makes any type of impact? McAllister? Yeah. Marlins? <laughs> I don't know. He seems Yankee like a farm system. Yeah, maybe the, the Marlins. Although they don't sign players like that. Maybe yeah. maybe San, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that need pitching. So. It would just be interesting to see if he lands What about somewhere? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh likes to take arms and and um you know kind of re, repurpose them. How much is he going to cost? Not much. Not much. Yeah, Not that's much. what Ray Sears is paid for. He's a, good, he's a good chancer. That, I was kind of thinking Dodgers on the back end with what they're struggling with right now. Maybe they just pick him up on the he's back end. They have a lot of injuries. They have a lot of talent, but yeah. a lot of injuries on that pitching staff. All right, let's, uh, we can just skip the AL Central. No, <laughs> we won't skip them, but this AL yes. Central is going to be the worst division in the All right, starting at the top, I got the Indians winning again. They won that division by like 40 games last season. Um, so they they coasted so much, but we did get some sc- a scare yesterday. Jose Ramirez fouled the ball off his shin yesterday. That he had to be carted off the field. Everyone thought that he broke his leg. Turns out it's just a um, it's just a bruise. He should be okay. He'll be, should be back in the lineup in a few days. Um, so Jose Ramirez will be back soon. Uh, Francisco Lindor's had a calf injury that he suffered at the beginning of spring training. Out seven eight weeks, so he'll be back hopefully by the end of April. Not sure he's gonna run, uh, steal run and steal bases at the rate that he did before. So you may need to um, curtail your expectations for stolen bases from Lindor. The word on the street is enjoy him while you can this season. He will not be there next year. Okay, so the Indians were ninety-one and seventy-one last year as division winners. They are projected to win ninety-one and a half games again this year. The strength of the Indians behind Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, their two MVP candidates, is their their rotation. The rotation is. Once again, going to be anchored by Corey Kluber, who's the annual Cy Young candidate, um, followed by Trevor Bauer, who's just keeps getting better and better and better, uh, Mike Clevenger, uh, Shane, not Justin Bieber, is another breakout potential arm for the Indians, who had a f- strong finish to the season last year. 
and then Carlos Carrasco. So I mean that that rotation might be this probably the best rotation in baseball, wouldn't you say? A little bit. Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, Bieber, Clevenger. I mean, those I, are five I, elite arms. I right personally there. just absolutely love Kluber. All right, and then the back end is uh, of the bullpen. They did lose Andrew Miller, but they still have Brad Hand, their lefty closer, Mr. Hand. The lineup, all right, like we already mentioned the two big names, but the Indians lineup is going to be Leonis Martin leading off, followed by newly acquired Jake Bowers, who I really like, playing first base, batting second. Uh, then you have Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana, Hanley Ramirez, old friend, Tyler Naquin, Roberto Perez, Brad Miller, Eric Stametz. Um, so, like we said, they're going to get Francisco Lindor back by the, hopefully the end of April. And they also did just sign Carlos Gonzalez Cargo from the Rockies. So, he should be inserted into the lineup at some point as okay. well. Hanley Ramirez. Early impact, late impact, no impact. His numbers have been okay. It's not like he's put up terrible numbers. He just goes yeah. through some cold streaks and looks like he doesn't care. But his numbers are okay, and it's a good park to hit in. So, and it's the division: Minnesota, Chicago, Kansas City, Detroit. That's 72, 72 games against those terrible rotations. Yeah, could be a good year for him. Could be a good year for Hanley. I was All right, saying, I was thinking middle. <clears throat> All right, so let's um let's go to Minnesota, who is my wild card number two team this year. Really? That's right. All right, Minnesota last year. Finished 78 and 84. They are projected for 84 wins in Vegas this year. So they've got a bump up on the Vegas profile. Their problem is the pitching staff, but their lineup looks really, really strong, in my opinion. Uh, they made some nice acquisitions. Their lineup has Max Kepler leading off, followed by Jorge Polanco, Nelly Cruz, Nelson Cruz batting third, Eddie Rosario, who is a potential MVP candidate in my mind. I love Eddie Rosario. C.J. Crone, 30 home run hitter from the Rays last year. Jonathan Scope, who is um, a former Oriole and then Brewer from last year. Marwin Gonzalez, super utility man from the Astros. Mm -hmm. uh, then Jason Castro and then Byron Buxton, who's still only 25 years old. So they've got a lot of upside and a lot. they've got a lot of interesting bats on that team that I, I like. And then as far as the pitching staff goes, um, and you're going to find that that's where the question marks are for the Minnesota Twins. Um, is however, Pineda, is Pineda in? Did he make that rotation? Did he, he, he did. Um, my yeah. Cy Young comes from the Twins, though. Oh, really? Jose Berrios. Okay. I love Jose Berrios this year. They're number one. Yep. And then and Kyle, Kyle Gibson, yeah. uh, Odorizzi, third. And then they have Pineda, fourth. And they haven't named a fifth starter yet. But that's a good rotation. Uh, that's a, not a good... Uh, yeah, maybe compared to all the other right. rotations, it's probably a good rotation. Right. Right? And who's their best best relief coming out? Is it Martin Perez? Is it Trevor Perez May? has found something this year. Uh, Trevor May should be um, their closer, though. Trevor May. Okay. Okay, the number three team is the Chicago White Sox. The spurned, uh, spurned lover from the Machado sweepstakes. They did not get him, but their consolation prize is going to be Eloy Jimenez, who's my rookie of the year this year. They just signed him to a big contract extension, so he's not going to have to be kept down in the minor leagues a la Vlad Guerrero or Chris Bryant like they would have to um, for service time. So they just signed him to a contract extension. Now they can call him up and play him immediately. The Chicago White Sox were 62 and 100 last year. They're projected for 74.5 wins this year. Should've That's got a Machado. big jump. 
So, I mean, if we can get some improvement from the White Sox, that's a good thing, right? A little bit. All right. Their rotation looks like Carlos Rodon, Reynaldo Lopez, Ivan Nova, and then Lucas Giolito. Eh, not great. Their lineup has John Jay leading off, who is Machado's cousin, who they thought would entice Machado. Uh, then Yon Mancada, Jose Abreu, Yonder Alonso, Wellington Castillo, Aloy Jimenez, my guy, Tim Anderson, who's a very underrated shortstop who's on the rise. 2020-30-30 uh, candidate. Uh, then Yalmer Sanchez and Adam Engel. Um, a lot of unknown interesting pieces on that team, in my opinion. All right, and then we have the Kansas City Royals next. Um, the Royals last year won 58 games and lost 104. They're projected to win 69, according to Vegas, this year. Uh, the Royals are going to be all about speed on offense this year, like they, like they usually are. That's the name of the game for them. They acquired Billy Hamilton, um, but their lineup's going to start with Adalberto Mondesi, who's a good name. It's on the come up, followed by Whit Merrifield, Alex Gordon batting third. That's when you know you're bad. Uh, <laughs> Jorge Soler batting fifth, Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> Hunter Dozier, Lucas Duda, Martin Duda, right? Martin Maldonado, who's uh, going to be catching for Salvador Perez. Yeah. And then Billy Hamilton batting ninth. So speed, 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 and hopefully get something out of Gordon, Soler, and O'Hearn. We'll see. The pitching staff could be even uglier, unfortunately. Brad Keller, Jacob Junis, Jorge Lopez, Homer Bailey. Yep, it's uglier. Alright, let's just skip right to Detroit now. The Tigres. The Tigers finished 64-98 and last year. They're projected for 67 wins. Man, that's going to be boring when Vegas projects you to be exactly the same as you were last year. And you were terrible. Like, at least with the with the Royals and the White Sox, like, like, it, they give were... Me, give me locker room material saying I'm going to be worse. So <laughs> you, like, dry something. to my belly or, like, make me feel better and like right. get better winning There's nothing record. worse than that. It's just, <laughs> just a the same apathy, piece of shit you know? <laughs> You're going to be exactly the same. Bad. All right, well, for the sake of it, we'll just run through the lineup. Uh, pitching rotation is Jordan Zimmerman, Matthew Boyd, who I kind of like, Tyson Ross, Matt Moore, my God, and Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull is a, name, a young name you might want to keep your eye on. He's got talent. All right, and the lineup for Detroit... Josh Harrison, you know him, Nesto. Mm -hmm. uh, Nicholas Castellanos, he's a good name. Miguel Cabrera looking to bounce back, still getting paid in the middle of that huge contract. Jesus. So he's got years to go, so hopefully he can return some of the production. Harrison, Castellanos, Miggy, Heimer, Candelario, Kristen Stewart, who's a young prospect to know. Nico Goodrum, Mikey Matuk, Jordy Mercer, you know him as well. They have your former second base shortstop combo. Mm-hmm. And then Grayson Griner, young catcher. And then in the back end of the bullpen, they have um, Joe Jimenez to do the eighth inning and Shane Green as the closer in the ninth inning. Um, Jimenez is good. Green's nothing to get excited about. That's your AL Central. All right, let's get back home and to the AL East. AL East, I have the Yankees winning the division this year. Um, and the reason is because I love the Red Sox, but the reason is because the bullpen for the Red Sox is a huge, 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 huge concern for me. They, It's like last year they knew the bullpen was bad. They won the World Series anyway by putting the starters in the bullpen. And right. they said, 
you know what? We won with a terrible bullpen last year. Let's just make it worse this year because we can win anyway. But unfortunately, the regular season's 162 games. Um, you can't keep throwing starters in the in the bullpen and having them close games when you're in the middle of the season. Um, so losing Kimbrell is going to hurt, in my opinion, in that, in that, in that case, because Matt Barnes has never been good in high-leverage situations. Matt Barnes is good when the game is 7-2, to and he comes in in the seventh inning with a clean inning. He's not good when it's 4-3 to or 3-2. Right. to um, So I'm concerned for Barnes. I think that Ryan Brazier eventually takes that job, and that if he fails, then we're going to have some serious issues. Um, but the rotation should be the strength of the Red Sox. It's it's Chris Sale, who just signed a nice five-year, $150 million extension, which a lot of people are saying is a discount for a pitcher. I beg to differ, because if you look at some of the other deals pitchers have signed, um, Severino signed four for 40, Snell five for 50, Nola five for 50. All those pitchers are elite pitchers, Nola, right. Severino, and Snell, and they are all signed for about $10 million a year. So sale, I know Price makes thirty one million dollars a year, but just because Price makes thirty one million dollars a year doesn't mean thirty million dollars a year for sale is a discount. He never finishes the year healthy, unfortunately. Right. Um, I would have had him pitch out the year and see how he how he did, because I don't think he was going to be willing to leave anyway. Um, so we'll see. Fair so enough. the rotation starts with Sale, followed by David Price, uh, Rick Porcello, Nathan Eovaldi. And Eduardo Rodriguez. I like Eduardo Rodriguez to have a good good year this year. And I finally, see him moving up in that rotation. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Lineup is as follows. We got Andrew Benintendi, followed by Mookie Betts. Uh, Devers is projected to hit third. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Mitch Moreland, slash Steve Pierce. And then Brock Holt, Eduardo Nunez, Dustin Pedroia, whoever's healthy and playing second base. Uh, then JBJ, and then Christian Vasquez or Blake Swihart will be batting ninth, playing catcher. Sandy Leon was just waived last night. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so that's your Red Sox team. I'm happy to see Swihart made it. He earned it. Yep, he Definitely did. It's about, it. it's about time he gets some playing time. All right, let's move on to the Yankees. Yankees have um, Brett Gardner at leadoff, Aaron Judge, um, Stanton, Gary Sanchez, Miguel Andujar, our favorite, Luke Voigt, batting sixth. Greg Bird, Troy Tulowitzki, and then Glaver Torres. Um, the pitching rotation for the Yankees has been bolstered. However, Severino is on the shelf until um, at least May with, sh- with a shoulder issue. Um, so it's going to be Tanaka, James Paxton, who they acquired from Seattle, followed by Jay Happ, Domingo Herman, and CC Sabathia. Um, so the rotation, they did sign Gio Gonzalez for $3 million. So if Severino's arm holds him out any longer than May, we could see Gio Gonzalez at some point on the back end of the bullpen. Dylan Batanzas is hurt. So they they're suffering some injuries, but they did sign Adam Ottavino from the Rockies. Um, and their closer is a role as Chapman to go with Chad Green. Um, the Yankees have a good bullpen, but they also lost David Robertson. So. We'll see. Um, I just think the Yankees are going to be a little more motivated and are a little more complete than the Red Sox are right now. Um, But I do think both teams make the playoffs. Now, as far as Tampa Bay goes, they have former uh, last year's Cy Young winner Blake Snell at the number one spot in the rotation, followed by newly signed Charlie Morton from the Astros, uh, Tyler Glass now, former Pirate, and then Ryan Yarborough and Yanni Chirinos rounding out the rotation. 
Um, the Rays lineup is is pretty interesting as well. The Rays have Kevin Kiermaier, followed by Tommy Pham, Joey Wendell, Avisail Garcia, G-Man Choi, Willie Adames, Austin Meadows, again, former Pirate, Mike Zanino, former Mariner, and Brandon Lau. Um, and then at the closer, they have Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo. Um, they'll play matchups, most likely, but Alvarado shoot most of the save chances. Um, Tampa Bay was a team on the cusp last year because they did win. When they, they won 90 games and lost 72 last year. They are projected to only win 85 and a half, so a little bit less this year. Um, we didn't talk about the Red Sox. Last year, the Red Sox were 108 and 54. They're projected for only 95 and a half. So that's a big drop off. Yankees were 162 last year, only projected for 94 and a half. Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays I have finishing fourth in the AL East. They were 73 and 89 last year. Vegas has them projected at 76 wins. So staying the same. Yeah. Um, the one guy to watch out for for the Blue Jays is Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's rookie of the year. Uh, well, no, because he's out with an injury. He's got hurt his hamstring. He's a big dude, and I feel like he's going to have a tough time staying on the field um, because he's so big, you know? Celsifilter-esque. Yeah, he's got to grow into it. But the guy's going to hit like a machine. Well, yeah. I mean, the guy can hit rockets. So once he's on the field, they, they just may want to DH him eventually at some point. I don't think I would leave him at third base if I were them. I think I would just do what the Red Sox did with David Ortiz. You know, just be like, just lock all right, in. lock in. You're a big dude. Let's yeah. just have you as the anchors, our li- anchor of, of our lineup. Just so crazy to them, so just a kid that young. Just it it is. You're gonna be a DH kind of guy, but but a third base, you, can, you know. But if you can keep him, at eight, you know, in the AL for the majority of his career, he could do it. They could. All right, so let's get into the Blue Jays rotation, who has some bounce back candidates, starting with. Uh, Marcus Stroman, he is going to ha- be a free agent at the end of the year. He has a lot to prove. I don't think he's going to prove anything because I don't think he's that good. Uh, then they have Matt Shoemaker, Aaron Sanchez, who's trying to bounce back as well, followed by lefty Clayton Richard, and then Sam Gaviglio. Okay, and then they have a uh, closer, Ken Giles, former Astros closer at the back end of the bullpen. Um, so their pitching rotation is not that great. As far as their lineup goes, they have Brandon Drury leading off. Followed by Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Justin Smokemonster, Kevin Pillar, Kendry Morales. Uh, my personal favorite is Lourdes Gurriel. I think Yuli's cousin, this is um, the younger Gurriel, is going to have a big season. And then Freddie Galvis. And then catcher Danny Jansen, who's supposed to be really good as well. Um, interesting team. Not really. Um, but there they are, the Jays. Um, and then another boring team here. Unfortunately, the American, American League gives us lots of boring teams. Baltimore, worst, worst ranked team in baseball. Yeah, the Orioles. So here we go. Leading off, Cedric Mullins. Uh, then Jonathan Villar. Trey Mancini. They have Chris Ibat 180. Chris Davis. Um, Joey Ricard. Rio Ruiz. Renato Nunez. Chance Sisko. And Rishi Martin. Not Ricky Martin. Rishi Martin. All right, and then the pitching staff for the Baltimore Orioles will read as follows. Andrew Kashner, Dylan Bundy, David Hess, and Mike Wright. No number five starter name just yet. Michael Givens is the closer. That's all you need to know about the Baltimore Orioles. They stink. Um, so, 
So, Great ballpark. You want to go as a Red Sox for an away game for cheaper seats than going to, you know, you could probably like fly down, buy a ticket, fly back for cheaper than like getting buy a ticket. <laughs> That's right. We did, we did it like five or six years ago. It was pretty damn cheap. All right, so the American League, I have the Yankees, the Indians, the Houston Astros winning their division. Wild card one is the Red Sox. Wild card two is the uh, Minnesota Twins. Twins. And then I have a rematch of Houston. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the Red Sox this year. But I can't go with the Yankees, so I'm going to go rematch of Houston and the Red Sox. I'll go with the Red Sox win, and it's the Red Sox-St. Louis. I can't not take okay, the Red Jack Sox. Okay, Jack Edwards. They're good, man. They're good. They're good. So we'll go Red Sox over St. Louis. I, you know, I'm not. A, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. I'm not as loyal, but I, I got, I got to put the Red Sox right there again. Until if I take my down. heart out of it, I would say the Yankees. But I, I'm gonna leave my heart in it a little bit. But didn't walking into last season, we thought the Yankees would be yes. that team again yep. as well. Yeah. I mean, so. But the Red the Sox Yankee... also had Kimbrel at the back end of the bullpen. Yeah. They but well, Barnes. Well, we'll see what I'm we get scared. out of that. There's going to be some acquisitions throughout the year that's going to help us out with that. Let's so hope we're, so. we're going to find those voids. And wasn't Kimbrel scary anyways? During the regular season, he was lights out. Yeah. Lights this out. is the postseason. Yeah. Especially those couple of the games with Astros, just like, uh Heart attack central. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's do awards real quick. Uh, AL MVP, i got to go with Mike Trout. I mean, he's been he better. top top two five of the last six yeah. years, something like that. So I'm just going to... Oh, and he's almost even money to an MVP, too, which is insane. Right. Um, NL MVP is Chris Bryant. He's plus 1,000 odds. He won it a couple years ago. I think he'll bounce back and have a good year this year. Ale Cy Young, I have Jose Barrios. NL Cy Young, I have Noah Syndergaard, Thor. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox. NL Rookie of the Year, Chris Paddock, from the pitcher from the San Diego Padres. And that is that. That's, that's baseball, 2019. It starts on Thursday, March 28th. Enjoy. All right. Well, it was a long one today, so thanks for playing along. And special thanks to uh, John Downing for that marathon definitely. Yeah, of definitely baseball that knowledge. That like We're supposed to have a special guest tonight. Things changed a little bit, so Johnny <laughs> drove the bus on that one for sure. All right. Well, uh, hit us up on the social medias and definitely hit Johnny up about the. Uh, Wait, any Celtics talk at all? It'd be an interesting week with the Celtics. They suck dick. They suck. I, I am actually now stuff. rooting for this team. <laughs> I am rooting for them to lose now. I want them to lose. I want things to. I want them to do Celtics thing to flame out in glorious fashion i am so sick of this team they are the most hateable bunch of guys i've ever met i don't know how it turned out this way but it kyrie irving's what it turned out oh you're right and and, and a spineless brad last tuesday kyrie says i'm definitely taking some days off before the playoffs begin and he says as long as we get to the playoffs days off as long as we get to the playoffs i'm happy he says so just so you know kyrie's out tomorrow at cleveland it's been announced um, even though they're in contention. Um, he also ripped his coach again after they blew an 18-point lead with an eight, minute, eight minutes to go against, against the Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets on Saturday night, saying... Talking about the defense? We never trap Kemba like every other team in the NBA does. No surprise there. We didn't do it in the first game, and he torched us, and he does it again. 
Um, so they just he's not even hiding it anymore. Does he have a point there? I mean, it's not good to torture coach, but does he have a point there? He, I mean, he does have a point, has, but you're right. He does. He does have a point. Right. Because they let Lamarcus Aldridge torch them. They, they don't trap. They don't. They let people torch them. Yeah, absolutely. He has a point. But you don't throw your coach under the bus over and over again like that. But you know, when I guess when you're the Celtics and things are this out of control, I mean. So what? I mean, honestly, what bus are you, are you hopping on? Uh oh, good question. Um, Portland Trailblazers, because I saw Damian Lillard and he said he would take less money and it's more and more, more important for him to stay in Portland and be in the compute community and build a rapport with everyone around him and live in a good place and. They have a good team that could be the third team in the West as by the time, by the time it shakes lot, out. Which is number two um, in the least in the East. But they did lose McCollum with an injury, which concerns me. But if they get McCollum back to go Lillard and Nurkic, and, um, maybe. But they're the team I, I, I'm, I have my heart's in it for right now. Yeah. I can't. At the Celtics team? I'm staying in the East. I'm sticking by what I said uh, back when we revisited this. I'm sticking with the Milwaukee Bucks to win it all. Yeah, you want the Bucks, huh? I want the Bucks. I, I just I have a tough time rooting for any other team in the East just because I've rooted against them for so long. So it's hard to don't want attach fucking, myself to them. I honestly don't want to see. I mean, as much as I admire, in a way, Harden and and what he's doing for the for I get the Rockets that. this year, I just don't want to see anybody in the West win. I want to see an East team win, and I want I want to see a team like the Greek. I I, I just love what the Bucks have done this year. Oh, crazy talking about former Bucks. Crazy talk right now is Lakers are. There's been strong talk. Jason Kidd taking over that program. I heard. Year. I heard that. Yeah. Poor Luke Walton just sitting there. You know, the, we, so they have LeBron who just fucking tosses away coaches like it's nothing. And then if you don't toss away a coach like Pat Riley didn't toss out Spolstra, LeBron leaves you. We have po- The Celtics have pocket LeBron and Kyrie Irving. He's pocket LeBron. At least, like at least LeBron though would win championships when he turns it on or get throws his coach away or gets his coach fired or whatever. Like Kyrie, like he wants to get rid of the coach and I mean, he, all right, he's won, but it was LeBron was there. Like Kyrie <laughs> isn't LeBron. He's pocket LeBron and he does all the you get all the LeBron, LeBron garbage that goes with LeBron. You get that with Kyrie, but you don't get the championships like associated with it. Unfortunately. Well, he's always fell in his lap. I mean, Tyron Lue was just that first candidate that just like he was just an ass puppet for the for the franchise. Thrown David away. Blatt. David Blatt. True. Same thing. I just these these guys, man. These guys. That stat I, I I pulled up the other day was just crazy to look at. Like playoff plummeting. It said for the first time since the NBA ABA merger from '76 to '77, NBA playoffs will not feature any of these players: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James. Oh damn. Wow, that's I didn't know wild that. to think about. Yeah, that's that's seventy six. That's the existence of my lifetime. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, crazy enough. I mean, I I NBA, I don't know. I mean, Golden State losing nearly by thirty to the Knights of the Mavs. I mean, there's still problems there. But they can flip the switch. They can. They have a switch to flip. But it's seven games. But the Celtics don't know where the switch is. <laughs> Celtics don't know where the switch is. I get it. They're lost in the dark room. I know. <laughs> They're lost in the dark room. Right? All right. I love it. But, and, oh, and, and on that note? On that note? I don't perhaps? know. The, the West is crazy, man. I, the West is going to be fun to watch this in the playoffs this season, Johnny. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Because I, I swear to God, it could be your Portland Trailblazers. It could be your Thunder. It could be my Nuggets. And it could be Houston. 
out of that. He's lost in baseball. Uh, Wilson Contreras just hit a bomb off Pretty Ricky. Pretty Ricky. Off the fence. All right, we've lost our minds. It's been a long show. Nesto's hair is getting super long. <laughs> Got that hockey flow going. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch us on the social medias. Uh, yell at Johnny on yeah. Twitter. Yell at Marty on Instagram. Give us your predictions of your MLB uh, outcomes. And Yankees or Red on, Sox. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. All right, sounds good. Peace.